For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. All right, Paperwise this morning. It's an interesting one from online in The Independent. Justine O'Mahony is writing about the fact that that's it. I'm officially middle-aged. My bikini days are over. And she's talking personally now. I don't think that she's for a moment suggesting that all women of middle age should hang up with the bikini or... Um, you know, put it into recycling or whatever. Um, but it's a, an interesting article. She talks about body changes. She's getting older while at the same time in her head, in her brain, she's still 26 years old, but not really happy uh, with wearing a bikini in public, which is kind of interesting. I wonder if many other women suffer with that. Even talking about it seems strange to me because you wouldn't talk about men in the same regard wearing swimming trunks or even Speedos, although many women, many men as well, would suggest there should be a total ban on Speedos. But I'll come back to that article a little later on, and hopefully there'll be more opportunities to wear whatever beachwear you like to wear yourself in the coming weeks and months. Um, actually, you know, talking about um, things that you, you do across the summer, Bonfire Night, as we call it in, on the side, Bonner Night is uh, June 23rd, isn't it? Tell me I've got the right date, June 23rd. Uh, but the um, Cork City Fire Brigade are talking about the stuff that people throw on bonfires in the front of this morning's Echo. And it's a warning, really, because not only are they throwing all sorts of junk into it, but a lot of it contains toxic items that can put people with regards to inhalation at risk. And as Victor Shine from the Fire Brigade is saying, that the crews have recently had to call out uh, to deal with dangerous bonfires that included everything from fridges to washing machines, furniture, fridge freezers, microwaves, washing machines. Uh, he says, we've seen people throw spray cans, deodorants, items that never should be thrown on a bonfire. And he says the smoke from these fires is particularly toxic and can result in significant risk for locals. Uh, it's interesting. Why in the name of God, anybody, anybody, tires as well, tires, people throw tires on bonfires. But why would people throw white goods or brown goods like fridges and fridge freezers and old ovens and microwaves. Why would you do that um, unless you just wanted to get rid of them and thought this was a clever, sneaky way of doing it? Front page are making the echo today, warning against all of that. Now, uh, we could be looking at another supermarket price war because Tesco have come out now and they are saying that they are going to slash the price of 700 products across the Tesco range on an average of about 10% across 700 of his products. Now, the Independent this morning figures that this should now, it is sure to force a response from the rivals Dunn's, Supervalue, Lidl and Aldi. You know, in the past there, only about a few weeks ago, there was a bit of a price war and reduction on own brand bread and butter and milk announced by the main supermarket chains. But if you look at some of the stuff that Tesco, well, the papers this morning give as an example the dropping in price, the likes of balsamic vinegar. So I wouldn't really regard that as a staple coming down by two euro a bottle. I mean, that would be maybe almost a luxury item to people who are on the, on the bread line, I suppose. But anyway, things like Flahaven's Progress Outlets uh, to come down, um, things like Tesco luxury soft quilted toilet tissue to drop. And we're talking about on an average uh, of, about, of about 10%. Green curry paste, you know, red pesto, stone-baked margarita pizza and stuff like that. So right across, oh, Tesco sweet potato oven chips. Oh, 
one thing I abhor is a sweet potato chip. But anyway, nothing to do with me. So they're talking about that in the papers today. Actually, I broke down, or at least Kevin did, broke down the profits of the multinationals. Actually, not the profits, the turnover of the multinationals. I mean, you're talking billions, you know. They turn over billions, and I'll give you the figures on that uh, a little later on this morning. But when you talk about millions, we now have to pay the European Union one and a half million euro. And there probably will be more fines to come because we failed to provide accommodation to 350 asylum seekers. So that breaches some kind of agreement with the European Union for which we will be fined for. Front page of making the examiners today, 1.5 million has to be paid up. And many tributes, of course, to the late, great Teddy McCarthy and the examiner and the echo carry that all the way from the president down, uh, the tarnished uh, Lord Mayor of Cork, all of those, and the general population who, who loved him and took him to heart uh, for his football and hurling ability, and just being an all-round good guy. So there is um, a book of condolence that is opened now at uh, City Hall, and the Echo talks about that. He died unexpectedly on Tuesday, and he will be laid to rest on Saturday. So that's a front and inside pager making the echo and the examiner. Are you aware of that tragedy, that awful tragedy down in Killa, uh, where a family's home was burnt down, literally destroyed and everything that was in it? And then subsequent to that, the dad, father of five, Brendan, died suddenly then, some days later, like a week after the fire. He survived by his wife and children. But the friends and supporters of the family, of a much-loved killer family who lost everything, have all rallied round and vowed to help to rebuild their home from the ground up. And even the tradespeople from Killer uh, and the greater community, not just Killer, have also been offering their services to the Walsh family following the, bra- the blaze. And there's a GoFundMe page set up for the family. And it's already reached, believe it or not, Nearly 444,000. That's an astonishing amount of... That's an astonishing act of generosity from the public at large. Isn't it bad enough that your entire home and all your belongings would be uh, torched and absolutely destroyed in a blaze only then a week later for Dad to suddenly die on the first day of May, grieving family um, and the community coming behind them. Talking about things down east, actually, uh, The Independent this morning is saying the company that owns Whitegate have said that they're considering a possible sale of the Whitegate refinery. It's owned by a Canadian firm. I think it's a family firm called Irving Oil Own It. They also bought the Ted Castle group of companies in 2019. So we'll see how that one plays out and what kind of money they're talking about. But interestingly, there is a statistic in the Independence today that says Whitegate can process 75,000 barrels of oil a day. I mean, that's a ferocious amount of oil, isn't it? And employs about 230 people. And to matters motoring or on our roads, and I know I've been talking about the increases in the toll yesterday and also the shambolic NCT system that we have. No disrespect to those that are actually working and doing the NCT and the admin. I'm talking about the company that run it, runs it, Aplos. They're going to be fined by the government, actually, and by the state for not providing the service that they signed up for. But there's a couple of stories making the star today. This doesn't happen in Cork because people power got rid of clamping and people power got rid of towing away people's cars. But it was happening on Lee's side uh, up to about, I don't know, I'm going to say 10, possibly 15 years ago. I remember there was a huge big pushback on air here uh, on this programme because people were just sick to death of it. But towing still happens in Dublin. I mentioned that because a two-year-old and a four-year-old, two children sitting in the back seat of the cars were towed away 
in two separate incidents, apparently, by Dublin Street Parking Services. And this morning at the Star, tell us a little bit more about that. A two-year-old child was inside one of the cars with the mother chasing after the truck, screaming, screaming, my child's in the back seat, must stop, 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 stop. And then the other story is a four-year-old child in the back of another car, which was towed as well, before the truck driver realised the child was in the back seat. Uh, apparently the guardie got involved in that one so god almighty the things that people do without checking who's in the car first uh, whether it could be a child or it could be a pet you wouldn't expect it but you should always check for it back in 1991 there was an horrific fire at the Stardust uh, nightclub uh, in Dublin it killed 48 people and it injured many many more and had devastating consequences for the families of those that died because they were all young people they were out celebrating Valentine's Night February the 14th 1981. But we lived in different times then when um, fire exits and fire extinguishers didn't get the attention that they deserve. But uh, the latest update now into all of the inquiries and the inquests with regards to the 1991 tragedy says that a fire extinguisher in the Stardust was empty. Not only on the night of the blaze was it found to be empty, but it was empty every time that it was inspected in the three years before the fire in 1981. Uh, God, we lived in different times. I remember actually Christy Moore wrote a song on one of his albums at the time called um, "It Was." I think it was. I think it was the Stardust Disaster. There was a couple of lines in it actually uh, about the um, the fire extinguisher doors because back in the day, sorry, my apologies, the emergency doors because back in the day it was being said that the fire exits were chained. And Christy wrote a song where those lyrics featured in the song about the fire about the fire exits being chained. I actually have it, the album. I think I have it on cassette as well. But all of those were recalled and all of the record shops had to send them all back and they all had to be destroyed because it ended up being a, a big legal argy-bargy over that line in the song. You know, you talk about criminality, it's always good to accentuate the positive and break-ins are down. 957 suspects were arrested. Are you aware of Operation Thor? People were talking about it a lot there. It was, you know, the, the figures, when you look at it year on year, they show a drop. So there was 22,655 guarded checkpoints, uh, nearly 1,300 searches, nearly 1,000 people arrested and nearly 1,500 charges brought before the court. That You can call that good coppering, and that's for sure making a difference. So you have guarded presence out there. It makes a big difference. Here in the news, I won't spend much on this, but um, the deal between the PGA and Liv continues to dominate the sports news and you heard the clip there with Rory of um, one Rory talking about another Rory saying that he hates live and he hopes it goes away well that makes all of the papers today but there's another sporting story in the sun right to those of you that are coaches or trainers um, I ain't suggesting you should do this I'm just telling you what the sun is saying apparently feeding your sports stars this could be your footballers or your hurlers or your soccer players or anything Indian curry um, has been found to help professional players recover from muscle inflammation. So curry, particularly aromatic Indian curry, that includes turmeric, um, means that the players are raring to go for the next match. <laughs> so curry is the winner, apparently, the secret ingredients. Sadly, though, apparently in the European League tables, Ireland has the highest level of loneliness. Isn't that sad? According to a survey that was done across the EU, I think they spoke to 20,000 people and collected their data. I think that's kind of so sad, you know, when we live in such a connected world that people still feel so unconnected. And talking about being, you know, from connected to unconnected, isn't it very, very sad when you see people um, that you admired and uh, looked at 
for many, many years, growing older, or indeed in the case of Julie Goodyear, Beth Lynch in Coronation Street. She makes the front of the mirror today because she has dementia and her husband released that news yesterday. And there's a double page spread in most of the red tops today with photographs of Beth Lynch, real name, Julie Goodyear, Goodyear behind the bar. Um, in the Rovers' return in Corrie. Papers also this morning talking about superstars. Rod Stewart and his wife, Penny, are selling their L.A. mansion. Now, you'd have to love um, glitz and a lot of bling. Um, you know, I think they call it maximism, you know, where everything is completely over the top. And, and certainly their mansion there is over the top. You want to see the size of the bathroom, like you'd land a small plane inside in it. He's got a fantastic cinema room. I know, don't even start to tell you about what his barbecue area is like or his outdoor swimming pool and gardens. But the LA market, I mentioned, is on the market for 65 million euro. And back to our own gardens, just finally. This is a story that's very close to my heart. Whether you have real grass or fake grass. And I'll tell you why. It's been a bone of contention in our home for a number of years now because I would love fake grass out the front. I would just love fake grass. The grass in the front garden is very wet and damp and the grass struggles to grow. So a lot of moss grows and, and, and it never kind of... And, and I do the feed and weed, everything and all that kind of stuff, but I can never get it together. A couple of my neighbours have got rid of the front grass and they put in stone and pebble effect and it looks great. But I, I wanted to put in the rollout grass, right? So I was very interested in a story in the mail, to, actually, and I was told over my dead body it would never happen. It kills all the bugs and the insects and they can't live their life. So there's a double page spread in this morning's mail um, where this guy is saying, I can't understand why everyone reacts to my fake lawn like I paid small children to sweep my chimney. He absolutely loves it. And apparently a fake lawn cost you about €4.42 Euro a metre. Now, there's very little else involved apart from a, a bit of labour. And he says, I never have any worries with heat waves or hose bands. Um, I don't have any problems with having to treat it with nasty weed-killing chemicals. It doesn't turn brown and patchy. All is good. But wait for it. He actually vacuums his front lawn with his Dyson vacuum cleaner. That's just wrong. There's not, 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 not just What's wrong, wrong with you, like, going out and hoovering your garden with a dice. I, I was Sounds ridiculous. To, I saw to Claire this morning. She, she was telling me the story of somebody that hoovers their patio with the hoover. Ah, that's Good for a, the patio, bad for the hoover. I was going to say, you're only asking to, to put the hoover into, into the bin. No, like, look, my girlfriend's an architectural assistant. She knows an awful lot about what makes good houses. And she says, stay away from the Astro, bad for the environment. And actually, one of the things about Astro, your man, I know you said uh, in the article there, he said that uh, heat waves aren't a problem. But if you have small kids, Astro can actually get really, really hot if, it, if the sun is shining. Can it, it, really? Yeah, it gets super hot because it's plastic. So if kids are on it, they can run out onto it and burn themselves does it off get, the grass. Does it get as hot as the silver balls that are up in Fitzgerald's Park, those oh. ornamental balls? Did you ever sit in one of them? <laughs> oh, you would, you would jump you off know, them fairly rapidly. That'd be worth a, a naked camera, wouldn't it? Just take a camera outside and wait and see. But yeah, apparently the astrograph. Personally, I hate it. I hate the I'd look of it. it. I think oh, it looks so... Like well, artificial. I mean, it is artificial. You never have to cut the grass again. I know, but it just makes it look like you know. It makes you look like you're having built your house out of Lego. You wouldn't know, you know? from a distance. Ah, you just you people, would. people looking ah, at it would. would think, Jesus, his front garden's gorgeous. No, people would think, Jesus, that's a lot of plastic down outside. The they front wouldn't of know garden. unless you're. It, it's so realistic. 
It really isn't dull. I, 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 I walked past houses with Astro and my God, some of it I love really the bad. idea of whipping out the Dyson and cleaning it like a carpet. <laughs> yeah, I got out there now to Hoover the Garden. <laughs> Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Okay, Leaving Cert is well underway. We were talking about it yesterday. I'll get back to some texts from you guys who either did or didn't sit the Leaving Cert or the Junior Cert or the Inter Cert and how you got on in your own life. Text 0868104106. But it's off and running and started yesterday. Quick chat with the principal of Kalosh to Eamon Reesh, Aaron Wolf, who joins me by phone. Uh, Aaron, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? I'm good and thanks for stepping out. I, I loved the point that you were making that a lot of the, the worry and the anticipation regarding the students and the exams is before it starts. It started now, it's kicked off and they're running and you're saying they become somewhat more relaxed after it begins. Oh, well they most certainly do, you know, once you get through that first paper and uh, you know you can sit a paper because remember as well, this year particularly, the six years, they didn't sit a junior cycle exam. So it's the first form of state exam they'd ever sat in their lives. So to get that first one out of the way has been huge. And, you know, you can feel the relief straight away. They know they can do it. They're into the flow of it now. And sure, look, for a lot of them, they fly through it. They could be done by next Wednesday. Nice one. Well. You're not on speakerphone or anything, are you, no? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, okay. So it's up and running. And they had English paper one yesterday. I have to ask you, because it was getting some screen grabs shared with me last night regarding leaving certificate English paper two. Um, being, and I don't know how much you can speculate on this as a principle, that parts of it were leaked last night at around about 10 o'clock last night and it talks about the play and the questions on Macbeth and it tells them in another part of the exam uh, the questions on WB8s and the poets. Uh, what do you make of that leaking of papers? Well, it would be, it would be very difficult to leak the papers because, um, like, the, the leaving cert has a huge level of integrity and it's it's very well protected. So, within a school, the papers for leaving cert, anyway, they arrive on a Sunday, they come in a locked box. From where? Um, from the State Exams Commission at Lowe. So, first of all, so to take it right back to the beginning, the papers are printed, are put into a sealed envelope. Now, it's a plastic envelope. It's not a paper envelope. It's an envelope you can see has not been tampered with. The envelope goes into a box. The box is locked with a padlock. The key to the padlock is given to a superintendent, and the box is sent to a school on a Sunday. When the school gets the box, we then put the box into a room with no windows, and we lock that room. So... To get at that box, you need to you need to have a key to the room, and you need to get the superintendent's key. So when the superintendent arrives, they open the box, they take the packet out, and they don't open the packet until they're in the exam centre. So the packet is taken down to the room, and they often get a student or another superintendent to sign to say that the the, the packet has not been opened. By God, it's heavily regulated. The American election should have been as heavily regulated as that. But, <laughs> but, 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 what, but what, if, what if something like this potentially happened before they were sent out to the schools? Because it looks, unless it's a great knockoff, it looks quite genuine. This leak. Yeah, but sure, that could be a pre-paper or anything, or that could even be a past paper. I know I saw the front page of it. That's easy, it's easy to knock off. Right. Knock off. But uh, no, the people up in the state exams commission, you know, you're talking about people that have been employed for years and years. There's a small cohort of them that designed the paper. There wouldn't be a hope that one of them, so what would they have to gain out of it? But do you recall 2009, the leaving certificate English paper 2 was leaked and the exam had to be rescheduled? Yeah. Now, it, w- it wasn't leaked. It wasn't leaked. What no. happened in that occasion was the, the, the poor superintendent opened the wrong packet. So he opened English paper two, 
when he should have opened English paper ah. one. And he handed out English paper two in the morning. It's simple to Back say. then, the two exams were on the same day, if you remember. Um, English paper one and English paper two were on the same day. So in the morning, candidates got to see English paper two. Gotcha. And so, because of that, there were no photos taken, but because people saw English paper two ahead of time, the exam was postponed and it was held again on a Saturday. And does that mean no that when it was held again, it was with a completely new English paper? Yeah, the emergency paper was sent out. So again, at loan, even if we are in a case where something has been leaked now, there'll be an emergency paper to replace it. I didn't know that every state exam has an emergency backup. 2012, there was an allegation of an English paper being leaked. And in 2017, of one of the Irish papers. So... I don't know, is this just something happens that, you know, we hear more often of these kind of fake stories being released, or is there any truth in them at all? We won't know no. till this afternoon, will we? Absolutely. Well, I said the only one I know of is when the, the poor superintendent gave out the wrong exam paper, which is an absolute mistake. That's just human error. Right. Um, but I can't recall any other time that happened. I mean, the, 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 the state exams, the Leaving Cert and the June Decide, they're so uh, heavily regulated. And even down to the correcting stage, and people are right. knock the Leaving Cert saying it's a top exam, but it's so, it's, it's a real integral exam. I mean, okay. it's, it's, you know, it's a fair okay. exam. Okay. Well, okay. Really. So nothing to see here until 2 p.m. this afternoon when the official papers will be opened for the first time. Then we will certainly know, right? Absolutely. And look, no doubt the State Exams Commission would have seen this already. And if they have to act, they'll act very, very quickly. A lot of criticism yesterday. There was a lot of criticism yesterday about the entire leaving certificate system. I know I spoke to you about it in the past, that it's not fit for purpose. It's a memory test um, and it should change. And it's not changing half fast enough. It's not fair. It's cruel. Well, I, you know, it didn't do us any harm, did it? And Neil, you did the leaving cert, I did the leaving cert. Um, I think the leaving cert actually teaches us a lot of resilience and to get through a very difficult period in your life. Because um, it is a difficult period. What I'd be worried about now is if we did ever move to a model of, you know, projects and all that, AI. AI now is going to be a big problem in education. So if a student goes home and does a project, how do you know the student actually has done the project and it's not been done by AI? Do you, do you have um, any kind of filters or checks in place to make sure that it's legit work? No, not yet, no. I know in university they have turned it in where the student has to submit something on a platform and the platform can test whether it's copyrighted. Secondary schools don't have that. Um, so I think at least in the exam, you know it's the students' own work because they're in there on their yes, own. They can't yeah, go on the yeah. internet. They can't have AI. So I think maybe in the future we might be taking a step back to formal exams because how can we stop AI from being used? Yeah, it's it's ra- nuts. And it's moving at a rapid, rapid pace. Okay, so in today, what are, what are they doing today? Second English paper um, this afternoon. What's this morning? Second English paper today. Engineering is on for leaving search students and Irish paper one is on for the junior cycle students. Okay. So they're all just settling into Irish now as we speak, just starting there at half nine. Any, any tips or any thoughts or advice for parents who would be listening here who are up to 90 over the exam? How can they play their part? <laughs> Well, it's supporting your child, you know, listening to them, asking them how they get on. Avoiding the post-mortem is very important. Once the exam is done and they come home and say, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, forget it. You move on to the next one. That's the best advice. And we do remember the Leaving Cert does not define you. It's great to do well, but it doesn't define you. There's so many more options now and so many ways into third level. The Leaving Cert, um, 
you know, it, 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 I don't it's not as important as it was when we sat the leading search. But certainly, um, the, the huge point is not the only way to get into third level, and that really must be understood by Aaron. Okay, There's loads right. more options now. Nice one. Thanks as always. Appreciate you taking the call. Aaron Wolf, Principal of Colosh to Eamon Reesh, uh, the old Deer Park. Text 0868104106. I failed my leaving cert due to the lack of supports available back when I sat mine about 14 years ago. I was and still am dyslexic. I should have had a scribe to help me write my tests, but there were only three available to the school. And unfortunately, I wasn't, as they say, as severe in their eyes and was told to just get on with it. My confidence was shattered because of it. I was on my way down the wrong road, shall we say, until I happened to luckily fall into the right job. I was working part-time in a pub, and a man that came in frequently said, I'd be a good salesman. He offered me my first sales job, and I went from strength to strength. I ended up going back to education then, and I got a level 7 in business management, and I'm now heading into my diploma year in September. Jeremy, that's fantastic. It needs to be told to the kids that it's not the end of the world if they fail the leaving certificate, as I thought it was when I was a kid. But there are ways around it, and the mental torture on kids is ridiculous. Unfortunately, the education system in this country doesn't fit everyone, and it's failing an awful lot of people every single day, even to this day. Actually, Paul Byrne from Virgin News actually referenced that yesterday, that he has always struggled with regards to reading and writing. And he said, if even today, and certainly back in the day, if he had been tested, he probably would have been found to be dyslexic. But he learned coping coping mechanisms. Barney Neil, the real question is, where will all current Leaving Cert students buy a home rear children and find a reason to live in Ireland. Are we rearing Leaving Cert students for the emigrant ships? And a final one, the amount of days that the schools are off is unreal across the summer and the midterms and the Christmas. I couldn't believe they had no school again yesterday. I often think to myself, if we had the same amount of time off in the 80s or the 70s even, it doesn't seem like we did. Um, Think so? Think the, I think the, the holidays were pretty similar. Maybe the midterms might be slightly different, but the summer holidays were always very long. The, the way the world has changed from the 70s and 80s, really glaringly, is the amount of bank holidays. In fact, what we really need to do is stop calling them bank holidays because that's very old-fashioned now at this stage, public holidays, I suppose. But, you know, you're talking about study, uh, trying to get, um, you know, the kids to study and even those that want to study. And I was talking yesterday about peace and quiet and being left alone and just left to get on with it. Uh, Kevin came across a really funny sketch. It's about three minutes long, but it's worth worth listening. It's from Foil, Arms and Hot. It's a sketch on trying to study for your leaving cert at home. Um, it's funny, it's exactly the opposite to what Eileen Kane from Jump Car- Jumpstart Your Confidence was saying yesterday about avoiding distractions and being kind and keeping small children away and stuff like that and letting the students study. Uh, it's the complete opposite. It, not, not, not that she was wrong on what she's saying, but you'll get the gist of it. Have a listen. How are you, Thomas? Hey. How's the study going? Fine. What's he doing now? Irish. Is that the one you need the A in? Yeah. Right. Well, I won't disturb you. Okay, thanks. Your room's in a bit of a state. Okay? Mmm. Mom, the hoovering, please! Harry! Hey, little bro. Need any help? No, thanks, Darren. <laughs> You're the one with the brains, eh? Yeah. What are you studying, eh? Irish. I failed that. Didn't you fail them all, Darren? 
Good luck. Darn, I need to use the computer. No. But you're not using it. I'm using it later. I want to use... Uh, no, it's Alan, not... and your brother is studying for the evening certificate. All right, no. Sorry about that, Thomas. Uh, the football is just about yeah. to kick off. Okay. Will I let you know if there's any goals? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Dad, yeah. Uh, what are you working on? Irish. That's the one you need the A in, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, good right. luck. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Sir. yeah. Thomas, it's your grandmother. Oh, hey, Grand. I brought you some fish oils. Oh, thank you. They help you with the brain. What are you doing? Irish. God, that's the one he needs the A in. I'll say a prayer for you, fair play. Oh, there's been a goal! Go, yeah, go, go, yeah, go. Uh, no, no, sorry. It was just a corner in the end. It, false alarm. Back to work. All right. Oh. Confuses the corner with a goal. Dad. Oh, right, sorry, I'll stop. Yeah, okay, thanks. Thomas, come down for your dinner. In a minute. Thomas, I've been calling your name for 15 minutes. I just want to get this one thing done. If you don't know it now, you'll never know it. Clean up this room. Doomed up. Thanks very much for watching. We're Foil Arms and Hog. If you are doing your leaving cert, best of luck. Bit of advice here. <laughs> uh, bring log tables along <laughs> to your exam. No matter what. Was, Every exam. If I was living in that house, I would just... I would emigrate to the shed or something. <laughs> bring a little quilt down with me. Anyway, that's a bit of fun. I wonder how many households can relate to that. Text 0868104106. Just a quick one ahead of the ahead of an ad break. Um, I was talking about the, the possibility of having um, fake grass. It'll never be allowed, but I think it would be fantastic. Already, people are getting in touch talking about the reasons why you should never have uh, outdoor fake grass. Uh, there's actually a top 10 reasons why you should avoid fake grass. I think it would be great. looks fantastic. But here are the reasons. Artificial turf uses huge volumes of plastic. Right. Well, so do plastic bottles and stuff. But I suppose the difference is plastic grass can't or won't be recycled. Pieces of plastic grass will pollute the soil for centuries. Uh, AstroTurf has a big carbon footprint from manufacture, transport and installation. Oh, really? And you're telling me that those enormous batteries for your EV and your hybrid and your FEV cars don't have a carbon footprint, huh? Fake lawns look awful after only a few years. AstroTurf kills soil life beneath it. Um, it also kills wildlife, they say, and bugs and beetles and crawly critters. Plastic deprives people from contact with the natural surface, as in the ability to walk out on your own grass of a morning or an evening in your bare ass. Fake lawns have no wildlife benefit whatsoever. Well, if you'd include me as wildlife, it would be a benefit, wouldn't it? Plastic lawns can overheat in the summer, making them unusable, as in Kevin is saying the same, that in a real heat wave, you can't walk in it because it'll burn the soles of your feet. And fake lawns need cleaning and maintenance. Really? Really? Like, as, you say, like, as, just as much as cutting the grass and weeding the grass and watering the grass and feeding the grass? Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Great chats yesterday with regards to the Leaving Cert, particularly those uh, with Pat Phelan and Paul Byrne, who never sat the Leaving Certificate. Uh, Paul didn't even sit the Inter Certificate, and he's saying that he shouldn't define you. Aileen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How Thank are you? Thank you so much. You wanted to pick up on what Paul Byrne was saying yesterday with your own experience, I guess, yeah? 
Yeah, I did, Neil, because, you know, it, 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 let's say it's been a year or two since I did my intercert and my leaving cert. Note that I called it the intercert. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that gives it all away. Yes, <laughs> but I, I, I have to say that even now I can look back and be proud of the fact that I got all my honours in my intercert and all my honours in my leaving cert. Well, and you. it's not about how other people define me, it's how I define myself. Because I achieved that, I did that. And it doesn't matter how long ago or whatever, but it's something I achieved. And I think that's what's really important, that it's a measure of what you can achieve. And it's kind of the start of your adulthood in terms of achieving something. Yeah, but you're equating that with the driving test then. Oh, I did it, got it, proud of myself. And talking about whether it's actually, uh, whether it's it's functional, but you actually use it afterwards, this memory test that is secondary school. How does it apply to real life? How does it define you? I don't think it's just about the memory test. I think it's about the fact that when you when you do so many subjects, it gives you interest for the rest of your life. So, like, I know you like to travel. I love to travel. And my geography, my history, my English, everything else has become part of that over the years because it's given me such an interest everywhere I go. Yeah. I don't just go to lie in a bed by a pool. I want to know what country I'm in and what I do. And I think that that whole sense of, you know, when you when you do geography properly, when you do history properly, properly and, and English, I think it just, it, it's not just about the memory test. It's about kicking off your intellect or kicking off your imagination. I, you know, I, I was lucky I had brilliant teachers in school. They made us do loads of projects. And to this day, nearly even in work, you know, a lot of what I do is project-based. Yeah, but how would, how would maths, assuming you did honours maths for the Leaving Cert then, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. I hated you... maths, even though I was good at it. And I actually went from honours maths to pass maths, and I got an A in pass maths in my leaving. Okay, well, that's damn good. You got seven honours and an A in pass maths. But how did maths stand to you in life, in all fairness? Ah, no, Neil. I run my own small business. I can read a profit and loss account. <laughs> That'd be more the commerce, though, and business organisation. Well, no. No, because I think, listen, I, I honestly think for me, maths is, is different because I, I just I, ju- I just didn't get the application. I'm not a science person, so I, I didn't get that. But I think I think basic maths, look, you have to know how to add and subtract. And, yeah, but and I got that do. in primary school, the ability to spell, add, subtract. You know, that's fine. I get the basics of that in primary school. But, you know, when you move on then, how can you apply any kind of math subject for Leaving Cert 2? something you're going to use in life unless you go into chemistry or, or physics or well, that's the maybe thing. Yeah, accountancy. I think, yeah, accountancy, but it's also everybody's pushing all the STEM subjects at the moment. So like we, we've so, so much growth in our pharmaceutical industry and our IT industry and whatever. That's where people are applying maths and we need engineers and we need, not for me, um, it, it wasn't my area, but so I, yeah, I, I, I get it about the maths, but I just think, I just think it it just gives you an all-round grounding. It's not just the memory. I understand what you mean about an interest as well, because personally speaking, English and history did it for me, and I loved them, and I thrived in them, and and I've loved it ever since. But a lot of the others, I I was like... I I couldn't get maths. I just just couldn't get it. I don't know whether it was the teachers or was it me or whether it was just too damn hard. But your seven honours in the Leaving Certificate, did that set you up for life then on a career path? 
I, I think it did, but I, I, when I left school, I was only 16 when I did my leaving cert. Hadn't a clue what I wanted to do. Did the IQ test for Aer Lingus, but was told I was too short. <laughs> not, as in not so, tall enough? Not tall enough, no. <laughs> then I went to the civil service, got to, passed the IQ test for the civil service and the banking exams. That wasn't what I wanted to do. Didn't want to go to university. And I ended up by accident in, in a marketing department of Bird's Jelly, believe it or not. Right. And I discovered I loved marketing and PR and advertising and that's what I've been doing ever since. Good for you. Why in the name of God, though, would you be deemed to be too short to work on an airplane <laughs> where conditions are all very cramped? Is it you, is it they say you were too short to reach the overhead bins or what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah to this day, I, I, I flutter my eyelashes at the nearest tall man to get my cake. <laughs> See that story this morning It's a lovely story in The Independent Justine, uh, I don't have the article in front of me now. She's saying that she has reached an age now Where she should no longer wear bikinis I think that's quite sad, would you? Look, I, th- I think regardless of whether you're male or female When you look in the mirror and you go nah, You know, you just, you know You, you decide sometimes people look better in clothes and I think you'd decide that yourself. But you wouldn't say that about a man, say, for instance, on the beach or at a swimming pool in trunks. Why, why would we be critical oh. of, of women who might have some, some bits heading south? Well, I think you might sometimes. I mean, like when you when you go to some of the spas in Germany and you see some of the budgie smugglers, you, you, you oh, a ban on speedos. But men, men, but this is she's not. No, Justine Omani isn't criticizing women. She's just saying she herself. That's it. I'm officially middle aged. My bikini days are over. But I would love I would love women to be able to say I don't care what people think of my body shape or my body image. This is what I want to be, and and they should be praised for it. Well, I'm I'm in two minds about that. I don't think it's to do with age. I think that sometimes people look better in a one piece. Okay. That's what I think. That's a, just what I think. A one and piece. I'm female. A one piece and a sarong, is it? Oh God, no! Just the one piece. All right, okay. All right, let's get some other people's thoughts on it. I'll let you get back to work. Thanks, Aileen. Cheers. Take Thanks care. Thanks very much. Bye. All the best. Your thoughts are welcome. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. You know, talking about school and the school days, or giving advice to kids who we really don't want to be preaching and pontificating at, uh, because they've got their own lives to live and stuff like that. But. I did hear a piece, though, that Rob Heffernan did on Breakfast the other day, and it's, it's, it's kind of along the lines of Baz Luhrmann's 99 hit, uh, everyone, Everyone's Free to Wear Sunscreen. And I loved it because he, he's looking at it through the, the lens of a Corkman. I think it's a beautifully written and recorded piece. And I suppose to some extent it, it is advice, but it's worth playing because um, I, I sat up and listened and I said, wow, that's a beaut. Have a listen to this. Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 2022, Wear sunscreen. We actually call a suntan lotion here in Cork, but you know what I mean. Therefore, don't use pseudo cream. That's no good for sunburn, but suntan lotion is. That's science like. The rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I'll give out that advice now. Don't use filters on Instagram. You're absolutely grand as you are. Never go to KC's after 8 o'clock on a Saturday. The queue gets fierce long. And when you're in Lennox's, make sure you've practiced shouting out your order because it gets very embarrassing if you shout it out wrong and everyone is looking at you like you're a big dope. Don't worry about the future, it'll probably be grand. But like, maybe switch off a few lights around the house and do a bit of recycling. 
Be nice to the bunksers and reardons, as they might let you up to the secret garden for free. Don't call CIT CIT anymore. It's called MTU now, and they can fear us out if you say it wrong. Don't use too much fake tan. You're from Cork. We all know that you're a pasty young one. Go out and move, run, jump or jog. But don't be a goal that posts a map of their run on Facebook. You're only giving everyone a dose of the gawks with that carry-on. The best place in town to get a taxi is the South Mall. Don't buy an e-scooter. Cork is too hilly. Speaking of hilly, don't be fighting at the fountain outside hillbillies. Keep your WhatsApp voice notes short. If I wanted to listen to a podcast, I would. Be sung to your mum. Be sung to your dad. Don't be playing mind games with young ones. You're in Little Island, not Love Island. Listen to Rob, Kira, and Laura in the morning. And listen to Neil Prendeville too. You might learn something. Don't be chasing any dopes. The good ones always stick around. Don't go near the dunk kettle roundabout between 7 and 9am. Go to the opera house. Feed the ducks of the lock. Go over to the shaky bridge. Tell people it's called Daly's Bridge, but tell them to call it the shaky bridge. Because it shakes like... Don't be influenced by influencers. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Remember that Cork will always be home. And oh yeah, don't forget the suntan lotion. I go for factor 50 myself. And me too. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I just think that's just two minutes of magic. He also forgot to put in, don't put down fake grass. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Talked about the potential of another supermarket price war. There was a mini one there recently with own brand bread, butter and milk being announced, uh, you know, reductions in those. Now, Tesco have said that they're cutting hundreds of products, like 700 of them, by in and around 10%, some more. I gave you some examples of that earlier on, oven chips and toothpaste and pizza and things like that. But we had a little look this morning with regards to the turnover of the supermarket chains in Ireland. I'm making the point that, to be honest, when you look at the turnover, and this is not um, an example of profit, but just turnover, you could see why they can well afford to reduce things by 10%. And how can they reduce them now by 10%? What's changed? I mean, fuel and energy has gone back up again. But anyway, so Mosgraves, uh, these are the people certainly behind Super Value, Centra, Daybreak and... Uh, operations like that. They've got 840 stores across Ireland. Their turnover in 2022 was 4.5 billion euro. Uh, Dunn's, um, who have 116 stores across Ireland, had a turnover in 2021 of 4.1 billion. Right? Tesco have 154 outlets across the country and last year they had a turnover of 2.9 billion. Aldi who have 150 stores across Ireland, have a turnover of 2 billion. Spar, who have 1,000 plus stores across Ireland, had a turnover last year of 1.56 billion, so over 1.5 billion. And Lidl, who had, uh, at the end of last year, 187 outlets across Ireland, had a turnover of a billion. So they're all billions. They all operate in billions. And the highest of them all, Musgraves at 4.5 billion, Dunn's second then at 4.1 billion and then Tesco at 2.9. I just, I just put that on. I just passed that on for clarity so you can put things in, in context. Spoke a lot yesterday as well about the state of our beaches. Interesting texts from y'all. There was a lot of teenagers camping across the beach in y'all on Saturday. They certainly were having great fun drinking and enjoying the sunshine, but they destroyed the place with litter. 
and didn't use the portable toilets. I'm all for having fun in the sun, but they completely destroyed the place with their litter and just left it for others to clean. The guards should do a drive around our beaches on hot sunny days, as I think they know this will happen, but choose to turn a blind eye. Y'all had a festival on at the weekend, the Moby Dick Festival, and it was fantastic. It was so well run, with lots of free events for the family. My kids had a ball. People just need to pick up after themselves regarding litter and dog poo and they should not destroy public toilets for the rest of us so that's kind of sad you think the younger generation would get it because they're you know so worried about about climate change and plastic and all sorts of issues like that but I suppose when the drink is in the sense goes out and then others are commenting on the state of toilets right across our beaches across the county and I will come back to that a big response then to issues regarding the um, uh, Cork prison um, with regards to throwing drugs in over the over the walls. I will come back to that because I have an update from the prison service uh, and I'll bring back a caller on who was on earlier on this morning. Someone talking about bonfire night. Take this as tongue-in-cheek. I suppose it's just a cork sense of humour when people are throwing calor gas bottles and throwing washing machines and microwaves and tyres up on top of the bonfires. Um, it's a north side problem, Neil, because the Naris have to get rid of the knockoff stuff. What better way? No trace. Throw it on the bonner. I'm assuming you're having a laugh because you got a smiley face on that. Can't come on, but in a housing estate of 40 houses, three of them don't have domestic refuse collection where I live. But they burn what they can in the fireplace on a daily basis and save the rest in big cement bags until bonfire night. They are a full 24 hours moving stuff to the bonfire. This happens every year. It can be anything in our park from general household waste waste to prams and washing machines. It is absolutely disgusting. Um, I agree with you, but could you imagine living with all of that waste in these bags, bags and bags and bags of it building up until the next bonfire night? Um, you know, like I don't get that. Um, I mean, you, you, somebody could say, well, listen, we just can't afford uh, to, um, you know, pay for refuse collection. But even that, if that was the case, then, you know, you could go to landfill, you could go to recycling centres. They only cost pe- peanuts. On many bonfire nights over the years, we saw drunk idiots throwing yellow calor gas cylinders on bonfires, says Mick. And he's talking because he's in the know. He's a retired Cork firefighter. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Available now, a brand new podcast. An Irish woman's true story of a life in the fast lane. We had this magical wedding coming up. Like, my life was perfect. Dozens of connections, hundreds of millions of euro. And then it turned to chaos. I'm trying to tell a toddler that her father is gone. A story of love and loss and a man who needs to be heard to be believed. Jane used to always say to me, you couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this up. A brand new podcast available now. Go to the Go Loud app and tap podcasts to find and listen. And wherever you get your podcasts, and we got great news yesterday afternoon. We heard that uh, You Couldn't Make This Up went to the top podcast position on Spotify in Ireland, which is absolutely great. I'm getting a lot of messages from people saying, will there be any follow-up episodes? I won't 
rule anything out. I honestly just do not know. But thank you to everybody who has downloaded and listened to it. I hope you enjoyed it. Joined in studio by Laura O'Mani. Welcome, welcome. And it's I just wanted to chat with you because I know we spoke in the past about body image, right? Justine O'Mani in The Independent says, that's it, I'm officially middle-aged and my bikini days are over. She is not for a moment suggesting that women at a certain age should stop wearing yeah. bikinis and start wearing one pieces. She's being personal about it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I, I, she says, the problem is, whilst I look every one of my years, I don't feel it. In my head, I'm 26 and feel like a 26-year-old, but the cracks are starting to show physically and I'm not happy. She talks about um, cheeks collapsing, sets of jowls, double chins and, and belly problems and stuff like that. Um, and she says that she will seek solace from her one piece and a strategically placed sarong. Yeah. It makes me sad, Neil. Like, as in, it's it's no wonder that she's arrived at this point because from when we're very, very small, particularly my generation and and beyond our generation, it's ingrained into us that skinny is the way to be. You're not to, your body shape shouldn't change. We'll say like when you're 20, it should be the same. Then when you're 40, like that, that having babies and stuff isn't going to impact. Like when we were small, we were watching the X Factor. We were watching the Swan. We were watching America's Next Top Model. It was hammered home to us that like anything over a size 10 or a size 12 was wrong. Um, I remember an episode of America's Next Top Model where a girl had a gap in her teeth. That was like the worst thing ever. It's, it's in ingrained in our soul. It's changing big time though. It's I'm watching television as yeah. well. Don't yeah. get me wrong. And I'm seeing an awful lot more actors, male and female with disabilities. Yeah. You know, I'm seeing an awful lot more people with varying body shapes playing serious parts. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm, I'm, I'm noticing an awful more, lot more divergence in skin colour on. So, so whatever generation is controlling it's our TV. starting to come and we have to take control of it. Even Lizzo tweeted, you know Lizzo, she's amazing. She tweeted the other day saying that people have been referring to her brand as fat. She said, being fat is what my body looks like. That's it. That's all. My brand is feel good music. My brand is championing all people. And my brand is black girl liberation. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, yeah, but I'm not so sure that we should be celebrating obesity as such. No, but you know what, Neil? Like, I'm a chubby little guy, right? <laughs> chubby little dude. But like... It's not celebrating obesity. You know nothing about my health. I even find this and you go into doctors or whatever and they're talking to you about BMI and stuff already. I'm like, but have you looked at my other vital statistics and the fact that I'm currently pregnant and the baby is happy and healthy? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like we have to look at some of the, like BMI has largely been debunked. Like you have to look at at the greater picture of things. And also you're not putting this world to be skinny. Like as in that is not your sole purpose in the world to, to be a, a, a really tiny person. We are all different. There's all genetic oh, I know. differences. And, and listen, you know? I want people to live and celebrate yeah. their own lives in their own way. But I'm, I'm talking about the, the medical implications and yeah. the, like wellness and, and the implications of it to people's health and welfare in later life. Yeah, um, of course. But you have to also look at like people's genetic makeup. I do think we're beaten over the head a bit with BMI. Even the other day, somebody mentioned my maternal BMI. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what you're saying there, lovey, because that has been debunked. Like, I'm a very healthy, fit person, but I'm a small, chubby little person as well because I'm five foot one and I'm chubby. Yeah. But I'm a little dot, Neil. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I, fi- I feel sad for that girl that she feels like she has to go into Why the one piece Why does she feel that way? Stuff. Is it because she's unhappy with how she looks or 
or is she worried of how other people will view how she looks? I think she's worried about other people. And to be honest, most people aren't looking. I was in a beach in Spain last year and I looked around and I was like, we're just all different. Like everyone's just a different shape and size. It's stuff that happens to you in your life. Like I've had two sections. I will have a third one. That alters your body kind of, you know, if in order for me to go back to being how I was when I was 20, like I'd have to give up loads of aspects of my life. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And even at 20, I thought I wasn't great. But the sad thing is, Neil, is when I was in Irish college at 15, I used to look around the room and go, oh, I'm the biggest one here. When I was six, my nanny poked me into the side. I told her this before and she said, you're after getting very plump. There was this obsession. Did that impact on you? Huge. Did it? Huge. And like my mom, old mind, mind. 100%. And my mum and dad were like so supportive and totally like, you know, debunked all that for me. But the fact that my own nanny had poked me into the side, like my little girl is eight now at the moment and she is all about, you know, she'll be running around in the paddling pool, delighted with herself. She doesn't think about those things. But those things were in my head from when I was very young. You're going into the magazines then where you see like that skinny is the best way to be. You feel chubby in school. You feel like you're bigger than, like I look back at pictures of me in Irish college and I'm like, I didn't know how much of a hot little woman I was. I thought I was the chubby kind of friend. I didn't think I was the love interest. That's tragic, Neil. It's tragic. Because at that age, it's an insecure kind of age where you're confused, aren't you? And you you don't know what path you're going on or how people view you. 100%. And I think we should be learning more about understanding our bodies. And we're not meant to stay the same, Neil. I'm not meant to be the same that I was at 20. Like, I'm pushing 40 now. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's unrealistic for me to be like I was when I was 20. when you're pushing 60. (laughs) I have four kids and I always thought I had a... And I always had a flat tummy straight after my kids. Now I'm 54 and going through the change for the last Mm -hmm. eight years. In the last two years, my tummy is disgusting. I'm five foot four, eight stone, so I'm not overweight, but my tummy is just horrible. Yeah. Um, why would, what do you think of that? Like, why is it, why is well, it horrible? Well, you see, is it horrible or is it just a tummy? You know, do we put too much of an emphasis on things? Is she, is she not saying everybody else will think it is? Yeah, a bit of that. Nobody's looking at your tummy, girl. Nobody cares. They're all only obsessed with their own tummy. But are, are women not looking and judging other women? Well, this is, this is, I have a pet peeve about this, about women not supporting each other. Now, I do think it's shifting, but like, we're, we all know people that are very common to you about each other's weight or like secretly thrilled when somebody gains a few pounds. We have to re we have to alter that. We have to reprogram our children. Like when I'm in after coming out of the shower, my little girl's there. I you know, the temptation is to like hide yourself under the towel. But I'm like, oh look, isn't mommy beautiful? You know, jiggling in front of her because you have to do that, Neil. So it takes away some of the shame connected with their body. Like if we could all just celebrate how we are. I'm not saying like obviously there's days where you wake up and I'm like, oh God, I look terrible in this jumper. Or you'd have days where you feel bad. But like placing your soul kind of purpose on how you look there's so much more than that does that go for all fashion Um, and predominantly is it all fashion with women or also with men when you reach certain milestones there are things that you should no longer wear or you should adapt your clothing styles I don't really think so Neil do you know for me I'm like just wear what you want wear what you feel happy and comfortable in I do see a lot of mams around my age you know we're all very committed to the long floral dress the blazer and the white shoes and I'm like you're more than that you're more unique than that you know, wear what you want. Like, don't worry about what the... Like, is it ha- tribal, like, that they feel they have to fit in with the tribe? There something? is a bit of that. And there's like, I'm a mom now, so I'll wear this and I'll be all safe or whatever. Like, just it being... I think ter- when you become a mother as well, you do have a bit of a crisis of confidence and you do have to kind of, you know, rejig your mind again. But we have to fight against it because, it, you know, even stuff like... I see targeted ads about, like, lose the mom-tum. I'm like, way 
out of that. My children came out of this time. I don't want to lose it. Do you know what I mean? Don't be telling me this. Or like, get your confidence back after having had a baby. Excuse me. How dare you tell me that my confidence is gone? Like, do you know what I mean? It's all no, kind I of subliminal it. I absolutely love it. Mind and, and it games. wouldn't it be a great thing if the message was, whatever body shape you are, and you're in a bikini on the beach, that other people, particularly other women, are saying... You go, girl. Well done. Yeah, and Fair play. everybody is a bikini body. Put a bikini on it. Surprise, you've got a bikini body. You know all this like hot girl summer. Just get over yourself, course, summer. One of, the, one of the biggest targeting of women, of course, has to do with mummy makeovers and Turkish plastic surgery. I know. Yeah. Even the fact and that it's it called a mummy flying. makeover. I, of course it is. Of course it is because it's preying on our little vulnerable instincts and that feeling of like, oh, I'm all different now that I'm but a what, mom and everything. But what if you feel better after a mummy makeover? Uh, fine. Go for Please don't call it a mummy makeover. Just call it you got some work done. Yeah. But like, if if that is what you want to do, I have no problem with that. Personally, by the time I die, I want to be wrinkled, old, <laughs> saggy. I want every bit of me to be totally used, used up. up. Yeah. I don't want to look like the original. I gave but this body a right all going. Exactly. Didn't she have a ball? She had a ball. She's bait. Let her rest. Do you know what I mean? But do what you want. And nobody cares. If you could just get into your head, nobody cares. I don't care if you've but ever you worked on it. But you can say that. But then again, we often hear of women who are not nice to other women and are oh, overly sure. critical and yeah. judgmental of them behind their back. But that's why we need to keep passing it on to our kids and, you know, re we have to re-ingrain the new stuff in it. Get rid of all the diet culture. Like a little girl said to my little girl in school the other day, something about white bread being bad. Well, I rose up on my high horse. I'm like, it's just food, Polly. I said, that person is clearly dealing with somebody that is immersed in diet culture. The things that Come they're absorbing me. now in school. At eight, yeah. at you know, we yeah. even when we were young, our ears were too big, we had too many freckles, our teeth yeah. weren't straight. Yeah. Nothing's changed in that regard, really, except maybe the the level of, of the, the you know the, the the quantity of the criticism and but the awareness. We of were it. always we were always always self conscious. My mom tried to clean my sister's freckles off with surgical spirits. <laughs> she thought they were dirt. But there is a more awareness now. I have hope that there's enough people coming out, as you say, in diverse bodies, diverse shapes. We're being like there was a time where it was like, oh, you can't be on telly without being skinny. Well, I'm on telly loads. Thanks very much. What I've was it Kate still, Moss said? Yeah. Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Exactly. And we, that was in the magazines, Neil. I've had to stop buying the magazines about like, you know, she's dropped six pounds. She looks amazing. Whoever, Maya Jama stuns and her curves. all the time with Liz Hurley all the time. Now, yeah. she, she is in superb shape. She is. But she's rolled out like that being yeah. incredible at 50. I don't know how old she is now. She might even be 60. But also, like, is she all right? Do we, like, is she happy day to day? Does she have a laugh? Can I, interviewed, she have her, a I small... interviewed her once. Did you? Yeah. She's the soundest woman. Is she? Totally. She's but just like, sound. You know, we don't know any of her past. Like, is she happily having a club milk and watching Netflix in the evening? I hope she is. <laughs> I hope it's not her sole purpose it's to be the, skinny. It's not the club milk. It's the packet of club milk. <laughs> is Isn't it? have the oats. It's all balanced, Neil. Throughout the week, you balance it out. I hope that Laura Manny has lifted your spirits, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Have a great day. Thanks, Neil. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 106 Cork's Red FM Text 0868104106 Listen, I started the programme this morning talking about um, supposedly the Leaving Certificate English Paper 2 being leaked online last night at least certain sections of the paper I want to say thank you to the State Examination Commission who responded really, really quickly to our query this morning They came back and said that the State Exam- Examination Commission is aware 
what is purported to be a leaked English Paper 2 examination paper circulating on social media. This is not the first year in which such hoax claims have been circulated in relation to the certificate examination papers. As in other years, candidates are advised to be wary of all sources which claim to have knowledge of an exam paper in advance of it being given to the candidates on the day of the examination. Such hoaxes are extremely unhelpful to candidates preparing for their examinations. The State Examination Commission advises all candidates sitting exams to prepare for their examinations as normal and ignore these unhelpful distractions. So they have used the word hoax in their response to me, response to me, and on that basis I think we can call it fake news and a hoax yet another one. As if they haven't enough to be contending with because last night um, you know, they were thinking, Oh my God, uh, is this the way it is? And then they go off and they start start doing the Macbeth question. They go off and they start doing the WB eights question. They go off and start doing the Emily Dickinson poem, thinking that the Dickinson poem is going to turn up and it won't this afternoon. So it's unfortunate, really. They don't need all that kind of stress. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You're, How are you You're on? very good to hold. Thank you for taking so long uh, holding. Um, what about I your, know, your, your... Your last guest there, Laura, was gas, so I, I was listening in. It was, it was great to hear what she was on about. We're very judgmental, aren't we, of other people's looks and body image, and we've become very, very self-conscious of it because of that. Would you agree? I big time like I, I'm a barber myself and like um you know I, I do a lot of kinda travelling around the world doing international seminars and stuff. So um I, I do a lot in America. So yeah, I, I would see I would see that for sure. Mm, yeah. Certainly in I mean okay, well we've we got if we've got a, an obesity issue here, uh, they certainly have a bigger problem in America, but that's for another day with regards to ultra processed food. Anyway, did you sit the leaving cert? I did, Neil. I did, and um, I, I actually failed it. I, I failed past maths, and like I, I wouldn't have done the greatest points either. You know, I, I was never that academic. I, I was always more like a kind of creative person, and like you know, I, I would have kind of excelled at like woodwork, metalwork stuff, English stuff like that. But like you know, anything kind of maths or businessy science, that kind of stuff, never really appealed to me, and. You know, in school, all I was ever kind of told was the fact that I was good with my hands or go on, do construction, be... Get you know, an apprenticeship, go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, like we didn't even do art in my school, which, you know, is a big passion of mine kind of these days. Okay, but you uh, sat, but you like, did sit the Leaving Cert, did you? Yes, I did, yeah. And you failed the maths. What about the other subjects? Um... Like, I, I would have done good in construction and engineering and stuff, the practical stuff. And, like, randomly, my English teacher told me that um, my creative writing was good enough to get an A1 in honours in the Leaving Cert. It was just a pity that I wouldn't learn all the poems and, like, do the donkey work and stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, if you, you were saying in your text, if you had the opportunity to go back in time, you would have dropped out after the Junior Cert, is it? Yeah, definitely, because um, it was all, like, I, I did carpentry for a while after school and apprenticeship, and I had done a lot of that um, during summer holidays, and, like, I had my own business repairing Hurleys and stuff, but <laughs> it was barbering and hair, hairdressing that I got into then, and she, like, you didn't need a leaving cert for that, and I always felt like after I had done fourth year, and I got a, you know, a taste of the working world and working with my hands that 
I, I, I had no kind of incentive then to be kind of studying right. at some point because yeah. I knew I wasn't going to be going on to um, third-level education yeah. that I didn't require them. Yeah, yeah. Did you know then, as you were going into fourth and, say, that would have been the transition year and into, into fifth year, that you were going to take up barbering? Um, I was always kind of cutting friends' hair and I kind of had a natural flair for it. And, but like... Um, See, that's what like, Pat Phelan was talking about yesterday. Following, you know, going after a passion. That should be your career path, a passion. Yeah, definitely. And randomly, you say about Pat there, because we've a bit of a coincidence there. Previously, I, I did a presenting on Cork Live TV. Right. And I had Pat on as one of my guests and you spoke very favourably on air about my interview Good. and my interviewing style good. that I got packed to open up and stuff. Well done. That means you're a good listener. Fair play to you. Yeah. Asher being a barber, half <laughs> is, um, you know, talking to people, you know. Like, barbers and taxi men, they say, um, the, the men to talk to. But like, you get um, everybody's secrets and everybody's worries and tribulations, don't you? Oh, you do, because um, I was part of setting up an organisation that's actually become a recognised charity there now in the UK um, the Lions Barber Collective and uh, the whole purpose of it is that say if, if a guy is too kind of you know nervous or anything's worrying him to kind of open up to his own friends or family that he'd speak to someone it doesn't necessarily have to be his barber but like his physio his you know Someone but how is a barber equipped to deal with somebody who's suicidal or something like that? Well, it, it's getting the ball rolling and the, the Lions Barber Collective do, um, they train people and all that, them aspects as well. Yeah, so like if, so somebody broke up in a relationship that they were in love with, their girlfriend broke up with them, they, they, would, they would tell you all about that, is it? Yeah, like... What, you would know, you say, but what kind of advice could you give to a guy who was distraught from a relationship breakup? Um, I guess you, you'd have to take every kind of case differently because, like, in, there's not many jobs that you get, say, 45 minutes or an hour interrupted with someone in close proximity every, you know, every few weeks. So you do build up a stronger bond with you know, your clients than say if they were just going in, you know, meeting someone in a bank that it's more kind of... I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree with that. But it it just seems like somewhat outside of your job spec, you know, it makes... That's hard work. Yeah, um, but I I don't know. Like, as I said, it's just being a friendly ear for people and set the ball rolling and just kind of recommend that they you know, speak to a doctor or a counsellor. Yeah. It's just step one on the ladder to kind of... Yeah. For them and, I, and also, yeah. I'd say people tell you they feel better by sharing with the story with you. Oh, definitely. But, like, it, it's the same even from, you know, my own point of view. Like, you've, you've kind of... Like, the people generally, they, they don't know you and they don't know your kind of family and vice versa yeah. so you would be quite open and yeah. you're getting more neutral ear on your um, kind of problem you're going to be a lot less judgmental in a sense aren't you yes yeah because you've no you've no kind of ties to them outside of the chair in, in, in well done and if you got your own salon are you working in a salon yeah I, I, I have my own shop in town on Paul Street uh, 
Paul Mack special barbershop it's called <laughs> like we're, we're there um, the last six years and how I got that special name comes from um, young lads used to be like hashtagging on you know Twitter back in the day going in for a Paul Mack special it actually I think came from like a Hillbillies Tuesday special that's the two that for one two for one yeah <laughs> are they still doing the Tuesday two for one yeah they are oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Fair play to you. Great chatting with you, and uh, good luck with continued success with the barbershop on Paul Street. Thank you. I've, I'm off to Flowers there now in a few weeks because I've an in, I've a kind of international uh, education brand called Hair Slayers, and like you know, we've done master classes in LA and Hollywood, Dallas, Florida. So back to Florida there now in a few weeks. You're rocking it, boy. For a guy who wasn't strong in school, in fairness to you, it didn't hold you back. No, no. <laughs> Great stuff. Nice one, Paul. Mind yourself. Thanks yeah, for taking the thank call. You, Neil. Bye now. What a lovely guy. Just an all-round genuine nice guy. We're speaking to the multimillionaire businessman Pat Phelan yesterday and Virgin Media's news reporter, uh, Paul Byrne, neither did their leaving cert. Mind you, neither did Conor McGregor nor Richard Branson or Niall Horan or Colin Farrell. So there could be hope for all of us yet. Got some interesting comments on that when we shared it on, on Facebook. It's not the most important thing in life to get your leaving cert, but these days it's very important to have it and to be able to say you finished school. Um, what is it anyway, Neil, to somebody else only a ticket to America? Uh, that's, a, that's a few out of how many you know, as in Niall Horan, Colin Farrell, Richard Branson, Conor McGregor. Unfortunately, today it's different than in the other olden days. It's not very encouraging young people who have worked to get their points to hear it being dismissed like you're dismissing the Leaving Cert. I'm not so sure that I'm dismissing it. I'm just asking the question as to whether it's fit for purpose, but I've been asking that for years. I did one year in secondary only because I could not leave school at 13. I left at 14 and went working in a shoe factory in Killarney. Uh, those days are well gone where you can't sit an exam. It's not a badge of honour to not have it these days, as you're suggesting. I'm not. Um, I'm just saying that there are people who didn't have exams do exams and they did very well, thank you uh, one or two more, not getting a leaving cert at all is about being uneducated, school doesn't exist for fun reasons you know, people that get rich now and then uh, and then are people who have nose to get rich, um, don't know what that means um, I'm not even sure why you are pushing people with these kind of uh, posts and conversations about the leaving cert, there are a lot of millionaires but that doesn't mean they didn't go to school. So many businesses are lacking employees in Ireland and you're still telling people to not go to school. It's disgusting. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I ever told anybody not uh, to go to school. Mary says, I sat the leaving cert in 1969. I absolutely flew the exam, but ended up failing my Irish and that meant I had failed my exams. I had to resit my Irish again to get my certificate. My God, was that the way? Uh, if you've, yeah, I think I vaguely remember something about if you failed Irish or failed maths, you failed your leaving cert. Anyway, text 0868104106. Maria, good morning. Hang on a second. I just got my phone line. There you are. My apology. I missed the start of your conversation. Go ahead. Hello? Maria. Yes, how are you? You went back to school, was it? Well, I went back to do my leaving cert down in um, Besborough. I got the opportunity to go back. I left school when I was 17. I was after doing my pre's and I couldn't handle it, the pressure of it. And I asked my mother, could I leave school? And she said to me if I wasn't leaving school unless I got a job. I got a job at McDonald's the next day. Can I ask you about the pressures you were going through that made you want to feel you had to stop? 
it was just back in the day, I just felt as if like that, like I just didn't have, just couldn't do it, to be honest with you. Just the whole pressure of it and the exam, like me, myself, I didn't think I was, didn't have the mind for it, if you could understand what I mean. You weren't, you and weren't taking it in like? I wasn't taking it in at all, at all. I just couldn't take anything in and the pressure of it then and when I done the pre's of it, put on more pressure on me to feel that I couldn't do it. And when I went to my, I was after doing the pre's. And I was saying it to my mother, they were gutted, obviously, and they just said if I wasn't leaving school unless I got a job. I got a job down in McDonald's, down in Douglas, the next day. Well, went for the interview and they told me I had it after a couple of, about a week or two. And left school and I always regretted it. And then I got the opportunity in 2020 to go back down in Bedford to do my... 41, but what were the intervene... Sorry, go ahead. I'm like 41 now, I was 38. Then was okay. it, and what were the intervening years between the job in McDonald's and 31 years of age? What did you do? Had kids, had four kids in between. I got pregnant to 17 as well. Um, had four kids by the time I was 26. So and it all was just something that I regretted more than after having kids and pushing them in their education, knowing that I didn't, if you can understand what and I mean. did they know that you didn't when you were pushing They them? did. Do you know what? No, they did. And I always told them that that was a big regret that I had, and I always regretted it. And then when I was working, I was actually um, working down in Bedford doing cleaning, and I had five, my can just like that, like that I always had regretted it, and I got the opportunity to go back and do my leaving cert down there then. And... Um, I did it, and I that must. It. Have t- I mean, like that's a busy life you have with with four children running a home. They're and older, like they're older now. They were, which would made it a lot easier for okay. me to commit to it. Okay, do you know what I mean? Like my oldest now is twenty three. The youngest is fourteen. Okay, so but still, a lot it's still a big commitment because you obviously had to set aside quite a lot of time. I'd say. Oh, it was, but I think the difference for me is that I wanted to do it for myself. And when I was able to go down, the mindset was different as well, and I was able to take in a lot more as well. So you do, off um, you went, and you bought all of the books. Why did you go to well, school? They help you there. They down in Besbra, they have the books and they have the stuff there as well. You can get them if you. Do you know what? Now, my daughter um, was in fifth. One of my daughters was in fifth year at the time, and she had uh, books. <laughs> so I was actually going into her books, to be honest with you. So, which helped me an awful lot as well, and she actually helped me as well, my uh, daughter. Were you scared so, at the start of that journey? I was, because the sense of failure again, if you can understand what I mean, like at that age, and if I was going to fail it, but it was something that I just wanted to, to do and needed to do for myself. Okay, so you had all of the books, right? How many subjects? Um, we done... I'd have to check there now, to be deadly honest, there were six, I think, all together. Okay. And who taught Who taught you? Um, there's teachers. They have teachers down there. And they teach you. And you so go every day or what? Four different teachers, three or four different teachers. Two of them would teach, like, um, a one teacher could teach two, two subjects. If okay. you understand what I mean. Okay. And did you go so, every day for a period of time? Yeah. Okay. And... and how, how did it work out for you? Did you, did you, did you, were you saying, oh my God, this isn't as bad as I thought? Or were you saying, oh, I'll never get, get through? Wrong. I threw the pen across the, <laughs> the, the house a couple of times and I didn't care what X and Y was about and got frustrating, you know, that kind of a way. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, but I done it. You know, that kind of way when you actually sit down and 
when I was able to take myself away for it and give myself a breather and put my head back into it. Okay. And, wh- and when the Leaving Cert exams came, where did you sit them? See, that was the thing. We were the first ones to do it with the pandemic. That was the year the pandemic came in. Yeah. So how did so it work that out? Was, uh, we had, so for instance, we were after starting, like our home ec projects would have been started from the start of the year and stuff like that. So they judged of everything that we were after doing and our um, projects and work inside there. So you didn't actually sit the exams as such? No, yeah, but they... But, oh, no, it was assessment, yeah, yeah. 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 Would you have preferred to have sat the exams? Um, I would have, to be honest, but either way, I'm just grateful to get it done, if you can understand what I mean. Yeah. It's just achievement in itself for me, and it was a goal that I just always wanted, and either way, I got it. And was you there a day then, was? sometime later, when you got the results and the certificate and everything? Oh, yeah, I went down to my friend, Karen, I'll never forget it, and... I was shaking and um, she had to open the results and everything. I was like a child. I was like a child. Nerves were in and I was. She opened them for you, did she? She opened them because you had to do it online, you know, you had to put it in. So (laughs) she opened them and I couldn't even open them myself. You know, that kind of a way. I was that nervous and she opened them and she started like, oh my God. And yeah. (laughs) She let out a big scream. Oh, I was a bit kind of like holding back the tears and all at one stage. Great that's achievement, what I, mean. I was though. like a child, but Absolute. that's what I mean. For what? me to turn around to my kids now and say, you know, don't ever leave school to do what I had to do years on. Do you understand what I oh, mean? Were they very proud of progress. you? Oh, they were. They were. I went away and booked myself into Fosha and all myself and my daughter for the night in the whole lot. <laughs> but one of them. <laughs> what a great story. What a great achievement. You must have been very proud of yourself. I know kids would be very proud of you. Oh, they are, and like I say to you, it's something that I uh, like to say to them now, you know, that kind of seeing them, because I have two of them after passing the leave and start, and so well on, and done. I have two more now going through school. So it's good for me to be able to push them, well done. knowing that I don't like. And is Karen, your, is Karen your best friend then? No, my best friend is Christine. Karen and Christine would be my best friends. Today, today is International Best Friend Day. Did you know that? I didn't. Today is the day when we're supposed to be telling our best friends why they are our best friends and we should be celebrating and sending cars or cards or having well, brunch or big, catching up. Well, I'll give a big shout out to Christine Higgins and Karen O'Leary, my two best friends, if you don't mind. And do they go way back with you? Oh, they do. Christine, I go back nearly 15, 16 years with and Karen about the last eight years. Christine and Karen, your BFs. Yeah. Fair play. Great Thanks. story, Maria. Thanks for sharing it. Well done. Well done. Thanks so much, Neil. Take Thanks care. Great to hear someone with that amount of resilience that uh, just decides, I'm going to do it. I'm going to knuckle down and I'm going to achieve it. Incidentally, today is International Best Friends Day. Um, they, they say, somebody's giving me, interna- celebrate International Best, Fre- Best Friends Day as a woman. Ah, lads, that's awfully unfair on men. You know that men have best friends too. They're saying how to celebrate International Best Friends Day as a woman. Send a card. Well, a man could send a card. Call and catch up. Well, a man could do that up as well. Buy her a morning coffee. Well, a man could do that or buy him a pint maybe. Equally, a woman could buy a pint for her best friend or a gin and tonic. Have brunch. National Best Friends Day falls on a weekday so you can have uh, brunch your best friend today. Men can do that as well. Send flowers. Yeah. Uh, male, female. I don't see why there'd be a problem. Okay, flowers in the hall. Beautiful thing to walk in the front door to. 
post a photo. Let everyone know how much you appreciate your gang by posting a photo of you and your friends. Um, apparently, there are already more than 2.8 million posts on Instagram under National Best Friend Day today. So it is International Best Friend Day today. And I was thinking, because I have tickets for Ollie Murs, who plays live at the Marquee tomorrow night, uh, that I might give away uh, a couple of sets of tickets for Ollie Murs live at the week at the Marquee tomorrow night. Um, to those of you that have a best friend that you would like to take along with you to the gig. Do you follow me? So, your best friend story. Who's your best friend and why? Text 0868104106. Ollie Murs tickets. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Some text following my uh, chats with uh, Laura uh, a few minutes ago. Laura, you are brilliant. You should be an ambassador for real women. You're honest, gutsy, real, infectious, grounded, and so much fun. Another person here. Laura is so right, Laura Manny. You're not a mummy without a tummy. And then people picking up on body mass index. It means nothing. I'm 15 stone and I fit into a size 10 to 12. Somebody else taking me on saying under no circumstances has body mass index being disproven. That's a very dangerous statement to make. I will come back to that and clarify the points that were made in a few minutes time. But I want to talk to Anne-Marie this side of 11 because she was listening to my chat with Laura and uh, with regarding weight, it all started with women of a certain age saying that they could no longer wear a bikini. And Marie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? So you listened intently because you have, um, you know, you have your own issues with weight because you've tried and tried and tried and tried and failed. Exactly, I do. So just to give you a, um, an overview of myself, I'm five foot eleven and I'm about twelve stone, so I'm not overweight. Mm-hmm. But I have, um, I suppose, what my doctor said fat legs and my fat legs were just not in proportion with the rest of my body. Right. And Is that a medical condition legs, though? I didn't know at the time, neither did my GP at the time, um, my ex-GP. Um, so with my legs, they were really tender. I had cankles, you know, when I don't have an ankle bone, like you don't know where the calf ends and the ankle begins. It's just like a column-shaped legs. Straight down, um, yeah, yeah. Straight down, yeah. No shape to the legs, um, which... The, the look of them didn't bother me. My attitude was, if people didn't like my legs, they don't have to look at them. However, the pain, they were really tender, very sensitive. They bruised really easily. Um, they, I have something called lipedema, which is not very well known here in Ireland or actually across the world. Um, very few medical professions know about it. Um, and now lipedema, it's rarely diagnosed. It's considered a rare disease, but it's not rare. It actually affects one in ten women. Is that why they call it lippy legs? Lippy legs. Well, actually, I call myself my my Instagram handle is you lippy, call legs, it lippy legs. Anne-Marie. Legs, yeah. Yes, call so this condition legs, affects your legs, um, where you have bigger legs and no ankles. It predominantly affects legs. It can also affect the arms, and in some rare cases, then affects the the stomach. And but were you self conscious of your legs? I was as a teenager. Did you hide what them happened? or cover them up? I I was just conscious of. I I didn't hide them. Now my mom did. So this is a, this is a hereditary disease, and um, my mom has it and my aunt has it. My mom did always hide her legs. She always wore black flared trousers, never jeans. She never ever wore a pair of jeans, never skirts. 
um, if she did have an occasion, like a wedding or whatnot, she she might wear a long dress with black thick tights, but she'd never, never show her legs. Even on holidays now, she'd go into the the swimming pool with a sarong on, like she wouldn't take the sarong off to go into the pool because she was so conscious of her legs. Yeah, she was very, yeah, yeah. She was, and it affected her. her, She was actually bullied in school because of having tree trunk legs. Is it any wonder then that she hid them for the rest of her life? This is it. She hid it her whole life, and my attitude, like I said, it was if people don't like them, they don't have to look at them. Did but you I get bullied? About the... No. Yeah. No, I didn't. Um, and I, I suppose I wasn't conscious of them. I, I, I didn't care so much. As I, as I was... Um, see, what happened was, this is affected by hormones. So I was fine as a child. I had lovely ankles. And then when puberty hit, the, the shape of my legs changed. But they didn't bother me so much. But then when I had my first daughter the pain kicked in. Then when I had my second daughter, the pain got tremendously worse. It was just at the very start of COVID. I had my second daughter. My legs had gotten so heavy that I actually couldn't go up the stairs to bed at night time. I had to have to bum shuffle up the steps to the to the bedroom wow. with a newborn in my arms because I physically could not lift them up. And like I said, I'm only 12 stone. Like 12 stone to me is not big. And I'm five foot eleven. Yeah. Like, but to have legs that heavy, I couldn't. I couldn't digest what my doctor said. You've just got fat legs. They're just out of proportion with the rest of your body. It didn't sit well with me because I was in so much pain. Did you the have surgery? Is, I think you travelled overseas or treatment. Um. So, I chose the surgery route. I had to go to Germany. So the Germans seem to be the experts with with regards to lipedema. And I had two surgeries. I had surgery on the full front of my legs, not on the backs of my legs. And I've had surgery on my arms. Whereas my mum has had surgery on the front and backs of her legs. Um, It's really, really difficult to get surgery on your legs abroad and then having to travel home without the use of your legs. Um, I can't express how difficult it is. But what's even more difficult is there's no help here in Ireland. You just go to your doctor and you get told you've just got fat legs. And you're, so, yeah, and you're saying that one in ten women in Ireland are being told that, that they just have fat legs. No, one in ten women is are affected by lipedema. So there's um, a charity in the UK called Lipedema UK and they're dedicated to doing research on lipedema, the causes of it and the treatments for it. And they predict that one in ten women are affected with lipedema. Okay, okay. So, so I imagine um, that a large proportion of them are very self-conscious of their legs and their body image Absolutely. because of it. And that involves, I would have thought, some kind of draining or liposuction, would it? It's liposuction. However, it's not your your typical liposuction that you could get here in Ireland. And this is how one person explained it to me, and I think it's brilliant. So liposuction is basically just sucking out the fat. Um, whereas our fat is hard it's like nodules like my arms felt like a bag of peas frozen peas and there's like little nodules of fat that can get bigger and bigger and they can eventually protrude out through your arm or your legs so to to suck out lipedema fat would be like trying to vacuum up full rolls of toilet roll it's just not going to happen so you've got to break down the toilet roll for it to be broken up so that's the type of liposuction that I had Okay, Okay. I wish I had more time but you say that the 1 in 10 women that many of them feel like failures because they've dieted and they've exercised but they're not losing the weight particularly in their legs and then they end up hating their bodies 
Exactly. So they're going to their GP, they're going to get help about the pain or their weight and they're just told that you have to diet, you have to exercise, you have to lose weight and then they can't because you cannot physically... Now, obviously, diet and exercise is important for a balanced lifestyle, for a healthy lifestyle, and that, like, I still have to take that into. And have you have you slimmer legs now? I do now since the liposuction, um, but like I said, I haven't had surgery on the backs of my legs. That's something that I will have to do. Okay. Okay. Um, But again, it's very expensive. You're looking at thousands of euros to go over again. Um, and then the time that you're in recovery, and I've got two small kids, so. But it made no um, difference to your confidence, though, did it? For my mom's confidence, Neil, for the first time, I'm 34 years of age, and for the first time in my life, I've seen my mom wear a pair of jeans this year. Why? Why has it made your mom more confident? Because she was bullied. Because she had these fat legs her entire life, and she became very conscious of it. So and you. Your change in the work that you did gave your mum confidence. Well, I don't know if I can take the credit for it, but I'm glad to see that she has the confidence that she now has. But what I have done is, so I've set up a support group. It's a WhatsApp support group for women across Ireland who have lipedema, who think they, or think they have lipedema, and they need to get help here in Ireland. So we're just here to support each okay, other thank you along that. the way All and, right. um, and that is the Instagram post page page I should say Lippy Legs Lippy Legs underscore Anne-Marie yeah Okay, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Well done. Thanks for sharing the story. Thank you. Uh, Time's against me. So if you want to chat further, get involved with uh, Anne-Marie's Instagram page. It's lippylegs underscore Anne-Marie. Back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Now... Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. A lot of texts on different topics from this morning. The reason women's sports isn't up there with men's game is because, for the most part, women aren't interested in sport. They're interested in the Kardashians, Real Housewives, or any other show where women just rip the crap out of each other's appearance and just bitch constantly. That's why they have all the money. Women just rip on women because that's what they do and that's what they like. Uh, that is quite a sexist attitude to have and very, very anti-women. And I wonder why you are so anti-women. And it's a very broad brush you use there with regards to uh, women aren't good at sport because women aren't interested in sport. Take a look at what the Irish soccer team are doing or the women's rugby team or indeed the hockey team or indeed individual tennis players who happen to be female. Anyway, um, I'm for, and, and this is to do, of course, with body image, really. That's how we started with this, with uh, an article in The Independent saying, um, you know, is there, is there an age where women should no longer wear bikinis? And I think that's quite sad. I'm 14 stone, I'm 41. I wear what I want, when I want. Fashion is just a fierce industry. Uh, one or two other ones on that one from uh, this morning. Oh, also I see a lot coming in then on fake grass, my wish to have fake grass, just the front garden it's not that I'm lazy, the back garden is real grass just the front, I'm with you on this one I have half my garden slabbed and the other half is artificial grass Grass. all you have to do is get a stiff brush and brush hard against the grain, says John O'Donovan Neil, rumour has it that the problem with the artificial grass won't bother you soon once you bid for Rod Stewart's gaff and once it's accepted, you live in a dream world, pal. Some are saying you'll use the private jet to fly in and out of Cork each day for work. No, uh, that won't be happening anytime soon. 
<laughs> I'm laughing at the fake grass. We put it down last year and it's been a godsend with the dog and the kids. All last week, both dog and kids lay on it, even in the heat, and it was fine. And the kids' pool was mess-free, so no muck with fake grass. I cannot state enough... Fake grass is a game changer. As for cleaning, a run of hose every few months will do it all for you. We have it down 12 months now. Uh, we do have a, a wildflower and tree area planted in the surrounding areas. So we're looking after nature too. Uh, morning, tell Neil we have fake grass for years. The kids are always playing on it. And never, ever once did it get too hot. So that's a selection on those ones. There are more on the fake grass actually that I saw coming in across the morning so I'll get back to them as well and lots more besides but I want to revisit a story that we had on yesterday morning and it was the story of Loretta having to put up with living next to Cork Prison um, and uh, you know there's a big high wall there and now well, the the, um, the existing wall is something like uh, I don't know is it 24 feet high they're building a second one now that would be something like 16 or 17 feet high if you recall that story um, from yesterday's programme I just want to update on it Loretta good morning Good morning. We did get a response from the prison service regarding um, our query as to why this second wall was built. We were talking to them about the fact that you have people throwing, coming into your garden and standing on your wall and throwing drugs in over the wall into the recreation area. So that's what we chatted about yesterday, remember? Yeah. Okay. So they came back and said um, that this is to prevent the access of contraband into prisons because it's a high priority with the prison service. 70% of the prisoners in custody have addiction issues. Um, And they say, you know, that these walls act as a deterrent. They are continuing to invest in technology and measures such as walls and fences and nets to support the effort to keep contraband out of the prisons. They call it an additional fence at Cork Prison. It's not a fence. all All they have to do is liaise with me. And I would have told him, exact, this wall is a complete and utter waste of money. This wall now is just, as I said yesterday, driving them into my garden now and not on the wall. But it's not a fence. They didn't construct a fence, did they? No, they did. Yeah, it's, it's in mid-construction. Is it a wall, though? No, it's, um, it's a sheet of galvanese, it's, it's steel galvanese. Yeah, um, that, that... It's like a jigsaw. That's not, I you wouldn't know, call that a fence, though. It's a big, huge steel barricade, is it? That's, yeah, that's okay. what it's like. No, They're saying that it'll be completed by the end of the month and it's designed to push out the launch point from where the contraband can be thrown into the prison. So really? it means that those throwing will have to move much further back because of the second fence. And yeah. the intention of this is to make nearby gardens safer. Neil... They were playing hurling out the front just and a slitter went over into the prison yard. Who was playing? Your kids? All the boys out the front, yeah. But how can it make the gardens safer if it's actually resulted in people throwing drugs from your garden now? This this is my point and this is why they didn't didn't contact me or anything. Or when I asked them, um, when they were all out the, the side of my house there, I asked them what would they what were they going to do, you know, when they were, they were building. And he completely looked me dead in the face, turned away and walked away. He oh. wouldn't even speak to me. OK, he may not have been allowed to, you know, he's probably just working in construction there. And no, 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 this is not, this was um, somebody from the prison. 
Okay, they wouldn't even engage with it. Well, no. I, got, I got this from the press office of the prison service, not the prison. It goes through their press office. They also said that the prison has experienced a lot of illegal refuse dumping on prison grounds, leading to intolerable spen- smells and rodent infestation. I'm assuming they're talking about rats, are they? Where, Neil? I mean, I live there. Do you know what I mean? I don't see anything. Well, this is no, what they're like, saying to honest us. Honest to God, you can, come, you can come to my house no, no, today if you want and come and look over the wall. There's nothing there. I've seen Maybe photographs of you. are very proud of your home. Like yeah, yeah. Oh, I love my home and I love it and I love my area as well. But this is all an excuse because they spent money that there was no need to spend. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it's a useless wall. It's useless. It's not going to stop anything. They are saying that they have to get a handle on the amount of drugs being thrown into the prison yard. Neil, this is happening all the time. All day, every day. Do you think this wall, the wall is not going to stop them at all? They're just going to throw from your garden because they'll have to move back further from the wall. There was a homeless fella came up one time and he had a slingshot in his pocket. And he took out the slingshot and we watched him get six parcels straight over the wall, over the prison and into the earth. We saw it. I don't know what else to tell you because that's, I don't know where you go from here, you know. Um, the prison itself are not engaging. The prison nope. service send a press statement giving the reasons why, that the problem is 70% of the prisoners have addiction problems and there's too much drugs being thrown over the wall. Yeah, but like, Neil, when when they first opened, I asked them... Um, we were we were actually allowed in to see the prison uh, before it opened, and they left us up into the cells. And I could clearly see my house from the cell. I I told them this, and they said I was mad. They couldn't see it at all. I said I can see it. I can see my car. Well, ch- if the and prisoners are chatting with you out the windows, they can see you. They're talking, and I, I got a new car. And one fellow said, "Geez, your car is lovely. <laughs> Get a new car." I know. I know I shouldn't find that funny because you have I to know. live with it, but like it's just they're mad for chats, aren't they? But but sure, and especially when the lockdown, they were all locked up for ages because of the, you know, the way they couldn't the social distancing and that. Yeah. And like every time I went out the back, or every time I went out the front, there was a conversation. Now I understand, like obviously they're locked up there and they want someone to talk to, and I understand that. They're genuine about wanting to chat, aren't they? Oh, they are, yeah, but some of them then would insult you. Well, there you go. You get that as well. Like, some of them then, like, were, like, whistling and roaring out what they do and... Ah, like, no, really? Yeah, like, m- my cousins next door, uh, they came to see their mother one morning and if you want to hear the things they said to them, Neil, it was absolutely horrible. So they can see everybody then? They of course can. they can. Yeah. Of course, because they were actually saying, uh, what's your name? They're the blonde girl. What's your name? You know, so they they seen her like. Yeah. And they said nasty things to her. Horrible. Things that said they wouldn't do and yeah, I know. things like that. No, like most of them... No one should have most to put of up them with that. wouldn't say that. Yeah, but no, most of them wouldn't. They'd kind of be just trying to have a, a conversation. But then you'd hear drug deals happening all the time uh, where things are being dropped and where things are being picked up. One fella came up and told another fella that his mother had died. He shouted in that your man's mother in jail had died? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. Is that how he got the news? That's how he got the news, yeah. Would you contemplate moving? Because this seems to play on your mind a lot. 
But I'm on I'm on the I'm in the corporation. They're never going to they're never going to move me. I'm on a transfer this for ages. They're they're not going to move me, like. Who's well, going to take my house, like? And Neil, you know what the funny thing is, in the lockdown we spent a fortune getting our kitchen done up. A fortune. And all downstairs we got it all done up and um, because the prison and the corporation had assured me that they were going to liaise together and fix this issue. So I, I resigned to the fact that I was going to stay now. So I done it all up. I know you're and committed. I back to square one again. Yeah, it sounds a response like that from the prison service sounds like to me like a brush off and a dismissal. It is a brush off, and that's all they're doing. Yeah. So what happens next? That's, I mean, what else can you do? They're saying it's their land; it's on their perimeter. They've got a problem yeah, with. I know, and as I said, good fences make good neighbours, but I mean, like, this fence that they're building is making no sense to anybody. I'm telling you, Neil, it's a waste. Like, if you come to my house, It's not just the fence, it's okay. Some of the prisoners are great to have the old chats and they might be lonely, but others are nasty then. They're saying very nasty things. You shouldn't have to... Another fella told another fella that he was going to rape his mother in front of all the children. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, like, and these are all innocent children out front playing, you know, four, five and six-year-olds listening to this horrible talk. What we did yesterday is we sent the audio of my conversation with you to the prison service. So I'm just going to send this audio again uh, and say to them, look, there was a lot of other things going on besides this wall. Did you not hear what um, what Loretta was saying yesterday? Here is another copy of it. My neighbour asked a man to get off her wall three weeks ago. She asked him, she said, what are you doing? All her grandchildren were playing out the back. So they started crying. This random man just came in to her garden, got up on her back wall and... He told her, shut her mouth, get in the door, or he'll be back to burn her out of it. This is what you're dealing with then, Neil, when you approach these people. Charming, isn't it? I mean, that Just, wall, that you, know, wall you wouldn't put broken glass on it into, the, into concrete or into... But you're not allowed. No. You're not allowed. Like, I rang the operation one day, told us to put grease on it, but you're not allowed. Yeah, it's hit a bit of a we hit a bit of a dead end here at the moment. So, but sure, even even TDs, everyone they avoid me like the plague because no nobody knows what to do. Ah, yeah, but it's nobody. a scourge on you, isn't it? Like you're not. Yeah, but but it's not the enjoying your home. No, uh, like for the summer now, like we 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 bought a mobile during you know, we had to to you're give some, to the children some quality of life. You know, especially in the summer that they can just go around carefree that they don't have to be. Like, we don't have to be out the front watching and making sure they're not picking up anything off the floor. Do you know, because we don't know who's been there. And all you day. have to pick stuff up from the garden, haven't you? Oh, yeah. all the time. All right. All the time. Okay. Listen. And now we're going to the stage, we don't even ring the guys, we just throw in the bin now. Yeah. yeah. And have you been on to your local councillors or a local TD? Everybody. Like Sir Tommy Gould, for instance, or... I was on to him, he never got back to me. In fairness, John Murray did. Ted Training came up yesterday. Uh, Paul Joe Sullivan's um, fall, yeah. receptionist. Yeah. She 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 rang back, but like as she said, there was nothing they could do because that's just the way it is. It's the prison land; they can do what they like. Not if it impacts on your life, or not impacts the, on your safety or your I peace said. of mind. This is what I said. Like I said, uh, what about me? So I'm just supposed to sit back and just let this happen all the time. Okay, do you take legal okay. advice? Um, I did. I rang um, Martin Harvey and he said that I could put in a nuisance claim if I owned my house, but I don't. So you'd have to have the City Hall to put in the nuisance claim. So I rang the City Hall to tell them put, 
this is very funny now because I rang them last year and told them to put in a nuisance claim against the prison because then it might hurry things up. They might do do something proper about this life. And uh, nobody has gotten back to me until yesterday, until they heard me on your show. Okay. And there's no and net over that prison yard, so, no? No, there isn't. No, there isn't. And as I, the last time when they did put a net, should they just melted it with the turf? They did, yeah, through burning turf. On it. Okay, okay. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what kind of legal advice I can get on this for you, okay? And then take it from there and send this audio to the prison service again, all right? Okay, thanks right. very much. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not cutting the conversation short. We'll, we will talk again, I promise you that. So we'll do that when we get off the air uh, a little later on this morning. You know, I was talking yesterday, after the break actually, I was talking yesterday about other aspects of uh, city living, um, issues regarding the English market. That and lots more besides after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 Cork's Red FM. A few texts coming in actually from people saying that one of the issues here that hasn't been addressed is that locals in the area are looking for compensation from Cork Prison regarding that wall. Now I'm going to see if that's true and find out from Loretta if that is also the case and if there was an offer of money or compensation or a request to be compensated for what's going on but uh, we'll come back to that story I'll tell you what is going on or what at least was going on yesterday they were happily playing cricket above at the Munster Cricket Grounds on the Mardike yesterday and in their words they've never seen anything like it play literally stopped shall we find out why Joe Moyne is the general manager at Munster Cricket and he joins me by phone Joe good morning Good morning, Neil. Everything was going well. I think you had some uh, Interpros Championship matches taking place at the time. What happened? We did. Um, we were in the middle of the game and um, we were looking over and uh, on the left-hand side of the pitch, um, all of a sudden one of the players dropped and then the umpire looked over and said, drop, drop, drop. So next thing, all of a sudden, all the players dropped down as fast as they could and a swarm of bees came over the whole pitch. <laughs> so both cricket teams were a horizontal to get out oh, of the yeah, way of a, of a swarm that were passing. Oh yeah, so um, we were we we didn't have a clue what was going on. Be honest, and um, I was inside doing them the, the kind of admin and stuff, and we were looking out. And all you see first is one player drop, then another player drop, and then the two umpires say drop, drop, and everybody drops, and one of the players didn't hear it on the far side. So there's actually a picture of all the players on the floor lying with their heads hands down and, and when you when you saw that what, what are you saying what's going on this is not in the rules of cricket what's going on with <laughs> something like that didn't have a clue that what was going on to be honest because I've never seen anything like it did so, they um, did they land and swarm and settle they did so they came over right in front of the clubhouse around 10 foot in front of where I was sitting and supposedly it was a new queen so she just arrived um, they were after splitting from the other group and Maro can explain more of this who was our saviour on the day um, and uh, next thing all of a sudden it went from having lovely white picket fence in front of the clubhouse in Cork County to best part of five or six of the fences just disappearing under a swarm of bees oh my god the scale of it is immense Mario, Mario Dias is a beekeeper with Buzz of Nature he was called was he? he was he was our saviour for him so oh. We, um, we rang two or three um, beekeepers and they weren't able to do anything for us and then they told us to contact swarm.ie so we contacted them and then they, they contact all the bee captures in the area supposedly and then our saviour Mario came and I okay. can't say the word saviour much more because the amount of money that's invested into the production game to run the day and uh, he was down here he can go through it himself in a minute he was, he was fantastic he was Okay great. let's bring him in is it Mario or Mauro? It's more, Neil, it's more, it's more. <laughs> Are these bees or wasps or what? 
They're honeybees, Neil. They're honeybees. Uh, they're very cute, but not a swarm of them, I would think. Do they sting? They, they sting. Uh, they, they sting. When they, when they feel threatened, they sting. But you've got a whole clump of them in your hand in one of these photographs. Yeah, they like you see Neil. When there's a swarm, they, normally they're very docile. They they, they they don't they're not aggressive at all. So you can just you can move them into the box nicely and and slowly. So they they they, they don't feel threatened <laughs> mean, at all. I mean, you know? Did you scoop them up then? Is it? We we scoop most of them up into the box so uh, make the process quicker so the the players could go back to the pitch by uh, hand. The you scoop them up by, by hand. By hand, yeah, and the rest of them just follow them in, you know. <laughs> And just when I was chatting to Joe, he said they were following a queen. Is that right? That's correct, yeah, yeah. The queen was in the middle of them, so uh, I managed to actually locate it and then move her into the box. And the bees just follow them. You can see it on the, on the, on the, on the videos, on the, on, the, on the small videos that we put up on our Instagram page. You can see the bees walking along the fence and going to the box. I would have thought, the fool that I am, Mauro, that if you went anywhere near the queen, you would get attacked by the swarm. If they feel threatened in some way, they would, right? But they, you have to be very gentle with them. Once you are very gentle, they'll be very gentle with you back, you know? Do you spray them with that powdery stuff that kind of sends them half asleep, no? Uh, no, no, we don't do that. What we smoke them a bit by the end of it, just to, then again, just to make the process quicker. It's just to kind of lose the pheromone from the queen that was in the fencing itself. So they will try to locate the queen again. Because if way, they will stick to the fence thinking the queen's still there, you know? Oh, they will not move. So yeah. you have to shift that queen. To where? Where did you put them all? We, we put it inside a box and they were just follow into the box. Like we had like a, a bee box type of thing, you know? Like the Pied Piper. You weren't playing a flute yeah. or anything, no? <laughs> no, we weren't, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what did you do with all... How m- estimate how many... I, I believe by the weight, when I grabbed the box by the end, I'd say we could have close to 20,000 bees. You know? Oh, for God's yeah, sake, yeah. 20,000? Is this the time of the year for swarming and movement like that? That would be like, it's not so much the time of the year, but the good weather, you know? Like, we, you know yourself, we had two two good weeks, or almost three good weeks of really good weather, and the, the pollination and the, all the nectar in is kind of filling up all the the beehives as such. So we're, they could kind of just getting too big for the, the box that they are in, you know. Okay, so they're not going on holidays. They're relocating, is it? Uh, they leave half of the colony behind with a new queen and they swarm <laughs> out with an, with the with old queen and half of the bees as such, you know. That's fascinating, is it? Where will you... Br- what did you do with them, though? Where are they gone now? Uh, they are down on Glonton. Uh, next to my... Where do I live? I have a few apiaries around there, so I put in one of them, you know. And do you get honey? We do get honey, yeah, yeah. We sell honey on our website, buzzofnature.ie, and we also sell candles, all natural stuff. So we Beeswax. have just, just to try to support the hobby as such, you know, it gets quite expensive, you know. Okay. Would it have been uh, a different story if that swarm with many children in Fitzgerald's Park had gone into Fitzgerald's Park? Would, would people have been stung and not known how to <laughs> react? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so because I was up in the Blackpool there last week taking a swarm from the front of the house. The, the same type of idea. The swarm just come along and land on the pillar in front of the house. And it, it could swear it was like 10 kids around the place from two years old up to 10 years old just looking at the, what I was doing and none of them got stung. So the important is that you don't go and touch them and try mess around. Yeah, them. and they, you have the confidence and the knowledge to know what to do. I yeah. think you were actually taking a hive out of the Kingsley at the time when Joe got in touch with you. Was that right? 
that could be, yeah. yeah. That could be, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Joe, um, play resumed yeah. then after interruption, did it? It did, it did. Uh, it was, trust me, it's not in the rules. So, um, it, it, was, it was good fun to sit down with the umpires and work out how they were going to do it because... In the sport, there's uh, requirements for a break, so we got we got it back going. We got it back going, and thank God we did because it was good to get the game finished. But it wouldn't have went ahead without him. And not a single sting. So play play not interrupted for rain or bad light. Play interrupted by play interrupted by a swarm of bees. And I've never seen it before. Like I said, so like on our yes. games are streamed internationally. So on the TV, it was up for an hour and forty five minutes. Play interrupted by bees. <laughs> That's one for the record books. <laughs> you made the history books. You need to get it written into the rule books as well, though. <laughs> oh, the rules in cricket are very, very diverse. I wouldn't be adding in bees because they'd be giving out that we didn't put in wasps. And... <laughs> <laughs> Great story, though. It's not the first swarm I've come across, but it was very handled handled very well by Mauro Dias, oh, the beekeeper from Buzzing Asia. Thanks for sharing the story and the photographs, lads, though. And good luck to you with the critic, cricket up in the Mardag. And thank you too, Mauro. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. Cheers. Thanks Cheers, much, everybody. Man. Well done, Mauro. And John Monaghan, the general manager of Monster Cricket. Way back, way back in 2014, when I, my boat was moored down in Monkstown, um, there was this swarm of bees descended upon a boat, uh, a boat with a big cabin on it and, and side railings. And it was just an amazing sight. I took some photographs of it at the time, back in 2014. The boat belonged to Liam O'Shea. We had him on the air. This would be, again, 15, 20, maybe 25,000 bees. That, it, was like, it was like somebody had laid out a piece of carpet. You know what I mean? Like a rug onto the side of the boat and onto the railings and onto the front deck. But it literally wasn't a carpet. It was a carpet, but it was a carpet of bees and they just sat there. It was kind of scary and kind of freaky, and you'd be very, very wary about going too close to them because you wouldn't know how they react. But it was an incredible photograph from 2014. I can share that again, and we'll also share some of the pictures from uh, Up the Dyke playing cricket also, back after the break. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Uh, big day today. It's International Best Friends Day. And I was saying I have a couple of sets of tickets for Ollie Murs plays live with the key marquee uh, tomorrow night. So I'm going to blast into this and get as many on the air as I can this side uh, of midday. Jackie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. They tell me that I'm going to love this. So go on. Well, this happened said, many moons ago. And my, my friend decided to go out the weekend and um, we got new clothes. My mom bought me a new pair of jeans and denim jackets. So off we went, long story short, had a fantastic night, met two guys. Were you clubbing? We were clubbing. Yeah. We were. Love we were clubbing. So clubbing on Washington Street. All right. So off we went and the guy said, will we go back to his place? And we said we would and whatever. And so we walked in and he had a beautiful fire lit and um, it was during the winter. So I was like, oh, this is lovely now. And he had, he put on the radio and we were just sitting in the front room. So off my friend went with the guy and I was left in the front room with the other guy. Where did you go out for a pizza or something? To Chipper? No, we just went in clubbing. and. No, no, where where did you say she went off with them to? Um, Probably upstairs. I knew knew the answer. Don't mind why didn't you (laughs) Oh, I knew the answer. So I was left with the other guy in the front room. And oh, there was another guy there. There was another guy there. Okay. Yeah, there was another guy, his yeah. friend. Yeah. So I just said, right, I'll go off with a friend because my friend wouldn't like this guy. So one thing led to another in the front room. And 
I was so drunk and I said, right, like I, I had these jeans on and I had these boots with laces. So I said to the guy, look, I'm not going to take off the, the pant, the whole jeans. I'm going to take one leg out. What? So that was fine. We were kissing and hugging, as you know, and wherever. Why, why, I'm afraid to ask the question. Why did you want to take one leg out of your jeans? Because the boots had so much laces in them that I was so drunk that I, by the time I'd unlaced the two boots and then... Say so when I was going home, I'd have to lace them all up again, so it'd take about a half an hour. So I decided one leg would be quicker. <laughs> so, I know. So I. Say, I know what you were up to. Like yeah, I know, I know what like you, yeah, you said. It a quickie, yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> as the business was going on, I just said to the. I thought you didn't like him. No, I didn't. I was doing this for my friend. Oh, you were taking one for the team. Ah, yeah, yeah, I was taking one for the team. So <laughs> I said to I said to the guy, "Can you smell burn?" And he was like, "No, oh, I He said, "Like I can smell burn." So I said, "No, there's something on. There's something burning." So we both sat up, kind of, and I looked, and my jeans leg had got in, gone into the fireplace, <laughs> and it was on fire. So imagine now. The leg was on fire. I had one leg on with the boot tied up, so the jeans were still on me. So I was jumping up and down. I was screaming, oh, my God, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. So I was screaming for my friend. So my friend ran in, and she was like, oh, my God, I get water. So she ran into the kitchen, came out with a cup of water, but threw it and missed me and got the radio. So the radio was sparking, and I was still screaming, saying, oh, my God, you miss me like I'm on fire, I'm on fire. So she ran back out and got another cup of water and threw it at me and said, all right, like, eventually it went out. You were saying, I'm on story. fire, I'm on fire. Yeah, and the guy you're with saying, yeah, aren't I? Yeah, Great, baby. Like, yeah, this is brilliant. This is my best night ever. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to go home and tell my mom about the tunes? I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to be killed. So the Cute. gist of the story is that I had a jeans that was like a hot pants on one side and a full-length pants on the other side. But about the misfortune that was with you? He ended up going to hospital, did he? He, he ended up... What happened was that he went to work the next day and he had to go to the nurse because he had charge great burns in his leg. <laughs> yeah, I swear you couldn't write it. You couldn't write it. If they made a film now, say, like, something about Mary 2, that scene would be in it. And, and was this a night out with your best friend? Yeah, my best, best friend. We're still friends. Like, I had to text her this morning to tell her, like, and she said, go for it, go for it, go on. We'll have a laugh. And we still laugh to the day. And we still see the people out. You know, the two guys, like, they were, we're all friends still. But, like, oh, I miss the best night. You still see them. Everybody's married and settled down now to other yeah, people, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, what it was is that the guy that had to give me a pair of jeans going home. So then I had to bin the jeans on the way home. So... Then my mum the next morning said, I'll give me your jeans there. And I watched myself, show up any wood. And once, I said, don't worry about them. So that day, myself and my friend had to go into town and buy a new pair of jeans to substitute it for my mother. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. I'm completely yeah. up to speed on the events of that night. What's your best yeah. friend's name? Um, oh, um, Deborah. Deborah, okay. <laughs> Hang in there. Let me get another couple of calls. Jackie and Deborah, best friends, up to all sorts of uh, hijinks of a night out. Elaine, good morning. <laughs> Hi, Okay, so yours is a bit more sedate than that, is it? No, I could match many a funny story like that. I could, but go on. It's unreal. Um, to match the funny side of it, <laughs> it's about it's about telling us who your best friend is and why. <laughs> um, my best friend is Justine, Justine Daly O'Connell. 
Um, she's my best friend because she's always been there for me through thick and thin. Um, when 16 years ago, when I was diagnosed with a brain tumour, I was seven months pregnant and went down to have the baby. Three months later, I had the operation and Jocelyn jumped on board before and after. She took Sean on board for me and she's always been there for me with him. Um, she actually was telling the story that I came up and I robbed him over his cot. <laughs> and um, I wasn't his mum. Because like, you're thinking, oh, she took him at three months old. And I told her, don't bring him back. Because I two other kids under the age of five, six. And my husband had enough to do with two little small ones. I don't know and you were very unwell, of course. I did um, brain tumour. I know, I know. Well, that is so, the mark of a best friend that they will take and help to rear a child. But it's, oh, I know, I know. And he's been with her to, all the time, like, he was there till he was about six years of age in his own room and everything. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. when they moved into their new house, he got his room in the new house. And but did he know that you were his mam, Elaine? Oh, he did. Right. Oh, he did. Okay. He knew I was his mam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but she was telling them, and you know that um, you're really my little boy, and um, your mum came up one day and she took you out of cotton. He was small at the time, like, and he used to be kind of confused. But I used to mind her, Sean, and she's telling you lies. Before young fella, he must have been tormented as to who his mum was then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> did you, uh, did you mean, marry Elaine's brother? No, I married Josephine's brother. Sorry, you, you're Elaine, sorry. Oh, did you yeah, marry Josephine's I, brother? I did. We all have a cross to bear in life, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I did. She was my best friend since we were 13 years of age in school. She was moved over to me because she was, she was misbehaving in school and I was a good girl. And they sat, you, and they sat her next to the good girl? Yeah, yeah, that was every. That could have gone was. either way, couldn't it? She could have turned into yeah. you into a ball girl as well. Well, she kind of did. <laughs> but um, she was funny. She was always funny in school. She was. One day she brought a hedgehog into school and we all got detention over her because her dad was a taxidermist. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But like, the stories are just unreal. What, like, what, what was, what's the connection with the taxidermist? Did you bring a stuffed animal into school or something? No, she brought a real hedgehog into school. <laughs> she literally brought a hedgehog into school and wouldn't own up to the noise in the bag. She wouldn't. <laughs> and um, mm. we just went on to be best friends. Then we did. And we've always stayed together. And then she went down to have a child and I was godmother to one and only girl I was. And I went down to meet her brother because I was kind of part of her family. Then I was up and down to house all the time. So she says I ran away with her baby brother. <laughs> and we got married. And when we went to New York then to buy my wedding dress, of course, she got lost. <laughs> and the policeman was outside the door. It's just so funny. You wouldn't read about it. You actually wouldn't. You couldn't do it. She got lost in New York and you had to call the NYPD. You know, we went out to buy the wedding dress and while I was waiting on the wedding dress to be altered, she, um, with three of us, myself, herself and her little girl at the time, we went to have a drink and um, I went back to collect the dress and we met these two blokes and they were very nice. <laughs> Don't go back now. I know. What? Don't go back now, they said, because the traffic is mad. We'll drop you back it later. Two innocent Irish girls were <laughs> stupid, were we? Go on. <laughs> and they dropped us back but um, no, we didn't have our bearings and... Um, I don't know, I missed her anyway and coming up all the tube and stuff and then next my husband, my husband no, came down and she was holding crying outside the door. She was lost, she told the guard, not the policeman, no, the guard, she's a guard, I'm lost. <laughs> and um, yeah, you couldn't read, it, it wouldn't make the What did those two characters them. want with you? Uh, they were very nice, they were, they were very nice. You sure? Um, they were. Oh, positive, positive, I invited them to the wedding, they never turned off. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know you're not supposed to get into cars with two strange men, like. I was going back 25 years No, oh, even then you weren't supposed to do it. <laughs> they were very nice, they were. <laughs> we're two innocent Irish girls, two nice innocent Irish girls. That's the problem, then, you see. You wouldn't know what you're she, getting into. But it's not just me, Neil. She's there for everybody. She's there for family, friends, neighbours. She's the best person in the world, she is. And I always say, no matter what I could buy her, I'll never repair for what she's done for me. I couldn't, not in a million years. Great stories this I morning. I wish I'd more. I love her to bits, I do. All right, okay. Do you like Ollie Moores? I do. Would Josephine go with you? I said, at the moment, no, she's out in the back garden and she's actually cringing. <laughs> and when I hear this back, I'll be cringing. Um, I, she doesn't know anything about it. And I actually don't even, didn't even know what the prize was. I just heard... Ah, well, I mean, things. it's a great story, but if you don't... I would, wouldn't want to waste them either, you know? No, I mean, of course we'd go. I'd say you're young at heart yourself and Josephine, and you could go into Longboats and Ballon Temple for a couple of cold ones and a burger and then head off to Ollie Moore's and party like you're 25. What was the young ones at heart at all? We are young. We're only 57. What? We're only 57. There you go, you see. You, you are know. young enough to go. Absolutely. How many times did we go out and break the heels on our shoes and we go back to the shoe shop the following day and we get a new pair of shoes? Well, go and, do, go and do that. Break your shoes your shoes, and break your heels tomorrow night bugging to Ollie Moore's. All right? All right. Thanks a million. All right. And Jackie too. The story, the story of going clubbing. Going back to your man's house, I won't go into the graphic details again of one leg on and, oh well, one leg off and one leg in, but it's a good story nonetheless. It's also, it could have been an awful lot worse. Um, but let me just chat to Karen as well on the day that's in it. Karen, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Tell me about your best friend. Um, my best friend's Orla. We're, we're best friends since we were in primary school together. Um, but it was her birthday two days ago and I literally just remembered this morning that it was her birthday and I've texted her and I'm so, so sorry, but Ollie Murray's tickets would definitely soften the blow. Oh, really? <laughs> would it now? Yeah. So it I can, would, So I can mop up your mess, is it? Exactly. <laughs> Should be ideal. And I texted this morning. She hasn't texted me back yet. I'm how can you? How can you call? Um, what you say her name was again? Orla. Orla. How can you call Orla your best friend if you forget her birthday? Well, see, I do have a little excuse. My one-year-old had surgery in CUH yesterday, so I'm a, I was a little distracted. Right. Okay. <laughs> a okay. little distracted. Mm, okay. You know, we'll and give they were we'll fantastic in CUH. Fantastic. So I, um, they're absolutely brilliant. But and actually, I didn't even tell her that he had surgery. So, so I, uh, uh, her her doll passed away uh, two or three <laughs> days ago as well. So it's it's just a whirlwind of. of oh, you're going to give me a shaggy dog <laughs> story now for the tickets, are you? Oh, she did. She had a little pup who got knocked down. Yeah, oh, really. Yeah, really? so um, oh, I didn't want sad. to. She was upset enough at the odds, so I didn't want to upset her with uh, with my little fella having surgery as well. So you're only and a week away from in the middle of it. You're only you're only a week away from your second baby coming, are you? This day week, yeah, this day week, yeah. Well, actually, yes, yesterday. See, that's why I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> yesterday, I'm due, I'm due next Wednesday. <laughs> okay, so do you want one last blowout before the birth? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> I love it. I know. And we saw Ollie Murray. He was fantastic. 
Maybe saw a few years ago well, on the basis that you do have a best friend called Orla, whose birthday you forgot, um, whose who's, um, birthday you forgot, and the fact that you are having your second baby next week, yep. one one last party night ahead of that, because boy, you're going to be one busy woman after the second baby arrives. I know. <laughs> Let me just organise the third set of tickets and send you an Orla as well, all right? Ah, oh, you're brilliant. You're okay, brilliant. So Thanks well so done. Much. Well done, Karen. And hi to, and happy birthday to Orla. A little bit belated. Um, buy, her, buy her a birthday drink. Get down to Ballon Temple early. Two great pubs there. Longboats and the venue. And I imagine knowing both those pubs, they're doing barbecue, pizza, and they're doing hamburgers, and they're doing cheeseburgers and all sorts oh, of things. Oh, we'll get down early. Yeah. You, you, you probably <laughs> can't have a glass of Prosecco, though, can you? No, no, but I don't have long left. I don't have long left. You don't have long left. All right. Okay. Well, good luck next week with the birth. Enjoy the gig tomorrow night. All right. You're very good. Thanks. Okay. Stay listening. Stay listening. That's Karen, Elaine. Two tickets for Karen. Two tickets for Elaine. And two tickets for Jackie. It's a funny old world, isn't it? And I said this this morning. I said I guarantee you, it will be primarily women that will call, talk about their best friends. Why are men so slow? Much slower. Uh, We need to work on that, guys, because you know we need to be able to share our own stories as best friends as well. So I'll come back to this in the morning because I have a lot of texts on best friends, but today being International um, Best Friends Day, um, some lovely calls this morning and tickets for Ollie Murs. Can I just say to those that won and also for people who won uh, earlier in the week and for everybody that won tickets on my Instagram for uh, Tommy Tiernan, all of those tickets will be at the box office kiosk from later on this afternoon for the Tommy gig tonight and for the Ollie Moore's gig tomorrow night. Your names will be on them, but you'll need to bring some ID, some identification um, to pick up those tickets and enjoy the gigs. I've got some more Live of the Marquee tickets to give away next week for various gigs. Out of time, guys. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.